Hello, you're listening to a Talking Spirit Anime Cast. My name is Andrew, and I'm joined here with Chris. Yo. Today's episode is our Fall 2023 Anime Season First Impressions Part 3. We made it three. Hopefully, you can wrap it up in this one. I might actually speed up on some of these things because I don't really have much to talk about, but we have a lot of sequels in this one, too, and it's not going to be like we're going to go through the whole thing about it, but... Yes, uh, as per usual, at talkingspear.com, that's where you can go for all of our anime links, social media links, ways to get a hold of us, Discord, Patreon, ways to support us. Greatly, greatly appreciate it. Sports channel means a great deal to us. Uh, but yeah, let's just, just jump right into it. Let's let's get into something more gorific. Uh, Is that a word? Gorific? Gore and horrific? Gorific? Can we make that word? Anyways, it's uh, Kingdoms of Ruin. Did you watch this show? No. No. Well, I I poked my nose into it. <laughs> like, I told you that I poked my nose into it. A little said, blood splatter away hit the tip your nose, and you pulled out of there. It's like no. It's like he just peeks in the door and nope. Uh, yeah, the Kingdoms of Ruin. This is a special show. Uh, Hametsu no Okoku. This one is streaming on Crunchyroll running for twelve episodes, done by Yokohama Animation Labs, based on a manga. But yeah, this one opens up in a world where the goddess created man, and then created witches, and the goddess. Assigned the witches, the basically the 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 goal, the the job of essentially taking care of the humans, watching over them and everything, protecting them. And at some point, mankind got to science. And when they got enough science and the power that comes with science, they decided to no longer be under the control of the witches. They want to get rid of the witches. And the new king of this one kingdom, uh, Goeth, decides to eradicate all witches. So the witch hunts start, you know, begin. And they go around trying to hunt down all the witches. And we immediately follow Adonis, who is a human boy who's being taken care of by a witch named Chloe. Uh, she has pretty much taught him how to use uh, witch powers through uh, this kind of script art where you can draw with this magical pen and it makes magic, whereas normally humans cannot use magic. And she's taught him all this magic and they're fleeing from the humans or trying to hunt her down. Eventually, they get caught. They, they use the teleportation device from the satellite and pull them over to... Um, the kingdom in front of the entire this crowd of people and goeth the the king and yeah he basically uses this big device that they have created that keeps magic from happening it like it stops magic and so she can't even use her magic Ananis can't use his magic and they execute her on the spot kill her shoot her well it, first he he strips her says without your powers you're not a witch you're just a you're just a woman and then everybody's laughing and mocking and taking pictures of her and throwing stuff at her. Then he shoots her in the head. And then for some reason, the guards behind the king are able to shoot around him to shoot her full of bullets without hitting the crowd behind her. Uh, but anyways, she's she's dead. <laughs> short, short story, she's dead. Uh, Anna is not too happy about this. She did beg for Ananus's life beforehand. They were going to execute him too. Uh, but she begged for his life and they spared him. But they put him into a prison cell Locked him in there for like 10 years or something like that. Uh, at those 10 years, at some point, there's this girl that's at this facility. And she somehow manages to grab the device that is the in the owner's, the phone from the, the leader of the prison. And she's somehow able to mimic his voice to unlock all the prison cells, including Ananas's. And then he gets out. And he starts murdering everybody. Like he wants to get his revenge. No, no matter if you're a civilian or whatever, if you're in this, if you're, if you're alive now you're partly at fault for Chloe's death. So he just starts murdering people in the middle of the city. And then eventually they reactivate the device to cut his powers. He dies, but no, he doesn't die. He was actually transported into the facility on the moon where the witches are hiding away at. Because apparently at some point, all the witches hid away on the moon 
They took their last tree of life, which births them, and put them on the moon. And so he's reborn there, and they want to use his memories to use the tree to rebirth Chloe, even though they kicked Chloe out because she was teaching him magic, and she was abandoned. And then people show up there to murder all the witches. That's pretty much where I'm at. Bunch of murdering. <laughs> A lot of murdering. <laughs> yeah, my thoughts on the King of Ruins, or the Kingdoms of Ruin. Sorry, I'm getting my, my plurals wrong there. I, I'm very mixed on this show. <laughs> There's a side of me that feels like there is way too much, there's way too much emphasis in this series on just like edgy death, like shock value. It's just, it it almost relies too heavily on shock value, but there's an element there that this is kind of one of those old school anime that just doesn't really want to hold back against the cruelty of life and harshness of the world. We, I mean, honestly, yes, we technically have a lot of series that are like shonens and stuff like that, where it's just constantly fighting, but nobody's technically dying. Whereas this one's like not holding back. No, there's people dying left and right. People's heads are getting sliced off. People are getting blown away. This is not holding it back. This is a war. This is a massacre that's begotten revenge. That's begetting revenge. That's begetting revenge. And so it does technically make sense that there's so much bloodshed happening. But there is a side of me that's getting a little frustrated by the idea that it keeps kind of hinting at death not possibly being 100% in this world. Like, okay, so all we got to do is find another one of these tree of life things and Chloe's fine. Um, it kind of does that whole thing. Um, there's one character in the series that has literally fake out death twice now. Um, Adonis technically has had a fake out death. It just feels like it keeps doing these fake out deaths for the sake of shock value. But that aside, despite, despite my frustrations with the fake out death thing happening, I do appreciate that the it's not holding anything back. It's a very brutal world. And it does technically feed into Adonis's character, who's very, very much so... Not happy. <laughs> this guy just doesn't like anybody. <laughs> he just wants to see everything burn. And I'm really not sure exactly how they're going to tell a story with that. What it seems like they're setting up currently is we have the I want everybody to be happy, let's not kill girl that's already been introduced, who seems like she's probably going to keep him constantly in check to not kill a bunch of people, which I don't know why he cares to listen to her when he's more than welcome to tell most people, you know, screw you and, and kill him. For some reason, she's different. <laughs> so there is a, there's a little bit of frustration there as well. But what I do, what I am fascinated with is the world and what they've built so far. This idea of the goddess creating witches to look over the humans, the humans uprising, creating science, overthrowing them, and destroying them. Uh, the morality issues there, they're even getting into the idea that despite the fact that this Goeth guy promised everybody, once we hunt down the witches, we won't have our problems anymore. But there's two after effects that come from this. Not just Adonis is being super edgy, I'm angry. One aspect is that this device they use to stop the magic, uh, it messes people up. <laughs> like they, It's one of those things where it's a, it's a war device that was created, but they never accounted for the side, side effects of it. And it literally kills people. So a lot of the people that were using the device before to stop the witches, they're all just falling over dead. Um, and now the other side effect of the witches being gone is that the witches... They didn't know about this. The witches were actually keeping the ecosystem uh, working. Um, so now that the witches are gone, there's a lot more natural disasters. There's a lot more floods, a lot more droughts. The, the nature, nature itself is dying because the witches aren't around anymore to keep it alive and keep the balance of the world and nature itself going. And that, in turn, effect is, is this prevention, like almost like an ozone layer, of 
keeping that device they were using from killing people as quickly. So now when you activate the device, literally it kills everybody <laughs> really quickly. Um, it's got a lot of systems and whatnot in play that are really fascinating. The magic itself isn't hasn't really intrigued me too much. It's like just witch's power and I use pen to make witch powers. And everything I write seems to create amazing OP abilities. So nothing special with the abilities and the magic itself and systems, but I'm liking the world building and what they've set up so far. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm very mixed. I, I like the brutality of the show. I think Adonis, I don't quite get him yet. He seems a little bit, he seems like he's too much on the edge while at the same time, not always being on the edge when I, it doesn't make sense. Like I said, if, if this guy is like so set on kill everybody, like he doesn't trust anybody. Why does he keep like stopping whenever somebody says something like he, it's not like he's taking count going, oh, well, okay. So if you say so, it's just like, he's not taking action. It's like, why aren't you taking action? You shouldn't care about anybody here. But for some reason, he does pause. Um, so it's like, either let him go all the way off the cliff or don't. Don't do this whole wishy-washy thing with him. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm intrigued. Even though I have a lot of frustrations. This is kind of one of those shows where it's like, the highs are high and the lows are real low. And I'm kind of all over the place. But I'm I'm intrigued. I'm intrigued. If anything, it's just going to be the Edge show. If you're looking for brutally, you know, violent show... Are you saying that he's getting ready to change his name to XX Darth Arthas XX? He's not Edge Boy because he's not like he's not like um I guess the best example would be like um he's not like Sid. Because this dude's like literally chopping people up. I mean Sid has killed people. But <laughs> um this I don't know this is like doing it in front of your face. Um so I can't really say he falls in the category of dark death, dark XX dark death <laughs> because he's He's not he's not just by title. He's just he literally does it. He doesn't have time to type the extra X space. He's too busy chopping off heads. There you go. Yeah. He's so not he if he's, you like your, he's the Andrew Andrew has declared that he's the real thing. Yeah, if you, you this is a guy that literally created with magic two rail guns or Jatlin guns and started mowing down civilians in a the street. There you go. He's that he's that far. You think that Nalfumi is doing some bad stuff with his buying of children. No. Adonis is mowing them down. We'll see. It, it's got my it's got my interest. We'll see if it if it keeps up or if it just falls apart. Goblin Slayer, we got more gore stuff. Jeez. We all think Goblin Slayer is super bad. Well, we know why people didn't like Goblin Slayer initially. Let's be truthful. It's not like people getting chopped up in a million pieces. It's the other thing. But no, Goblin Slayer season two has been good so far. Have you been watching it? Or you, you never watched the first season, did you? Mm-mm. Kind of tapped out on that one pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> I I have thought about I have thought about going back. I supposedly it's it's nowhere near as bad as that first episode. Yeah, what I what I told most people in the first season is like that first like couple minutes of of the first season is literally them going. This is what they're dealing with. This is why Goblin Slayer is who he is. This is the brutal truth of what these goblins do. Yes, this is like that that type of uh, fantasy setting of goblins where they capture they go into villages, kill everybody capture a few of the women, take them back, and they make children from them. It's literally what these goblins do, and that's what goblins typically do do in a lot of fantasy. You just don't hear about it. They just go, yeah, you you know that, right? You know that? We're not talking about that. (laughs) Goblin Slayer goes, let's show it to you in pretty graphic detail, and then beyond that, really all you get is every now and then when they go into one of these caves, they'll find a corpse. They'll find somebody, they free them, and take them out. Typically, in a lot of cases, these people are really messed up from the whole situation, obviously. Um, and anyways, with season two, I wasn't sure at first. I, I think we've finally gotten to the point where it's beyond what I've read in the, the manga. Cause I read the manga for a while. Um, 
we're finally beyond that point because it was like all that stuff with the sword maiden and stuff like that. This one, the moment they kind of introduced the wizard boy, I was like, yeah, I don't know this guy. So I'm I'm guessing we're going beyond what I've actually read so far. And I truly did not like the introduction of the wizard boy. I did not like him at all. He was just too angsty teen. He was too angsty teen. I want to get out there. I want to kill demon or goblins. I, I don't want to listen to anybody. Goblin slayers over here going, goblin, you can't do that. Goblins. And... Wizard Boy's like, I don't need to listen to you. I'm going to do my own thing. They went into this whole arc about the priestess needing to do, like, lead her own group in order to rank up finally. And so they group her up with the Wizard Boy. And so he has to kind of learn a little bit more about preparation and all the stuff that Goblin Slayer and his team does to prepare for every every time they go out. Because that's kind of been the, the bread and butter of the Goblin Slayer series is that it's so... It's so D&D, like it is so absolute D&D and that the, this creator loves this kind of preparation, the potions they get and all that kind of stuff, getting into detail about strategy, how they handle each situation, how like they mark with string their lids of their bottles because when they're in the dungeon, they can't see the color of the potion. So they need to know by touching what potion they're grabbing. There's all these integral details that are really super cool with this series. That's the kind of thing that got me really hooked in the the manga series. I love that that RPG, you know, Dungeon Dragons like gritty aspect of it. Um, it's very methodical about every fight and every tactic and everything they do. But a lot of the focus in this particular season is Wizard Boy, him being angsty. We get an idea of why he is that way, the way he is. He's technically tied in with somebody in the first season. And it kind of shifts into something that the Goblin Slayer was talking about with the first in the first season in the earlier moments this idea that all these adventurers and they're all just rearing to go but there's so much focus on the idea that a lot of these people are trying to get in over the head they want victory they want those big quests they want to be successful so they want to get out to those big jobs a lot of people downplay goblins and they think i'm gonna go out there and kill a bunch of the goblins and make money now technically a lot of people want to skip the goblins completely because there's not much money in it whereas goblin slayer wants to do it because he's got a vendetta against goblins he knows how he knows how easily an area can get completely overwhelmed by goblins. So with this season, it seemed like it was playing off that and the idea that now it's a lot of focus on trying to, you know, set up a training camp, teach these new adventurers, show them the hoops, show them how um, to, you know, practice and be ready and be tactful about their decision making, uh, which I thought was cool. And uh, oh, yeah, they're going to <laughs> they're going to the wedding. I was like, what? I forgot what they're doing right now. Oh, that's right. That's right. Elf wedding. Uh, there's an elf wedding. So we got to go to do that thing. So that's where they're currently traveling to. And so we'll see where that whole thing goes. But yeah, it's been it's been good so far. And the reason why so much getting into the Goblin Slayer himself, um, I just don't really remember much emotion and getting into him as a character in the first season. I got it. I got a full sense of Goblin Slayer because I read the prequel manga story. It was a manga series that was released on the side that was his story, why he is the way he is. It's basically his childhood. And so I got a sense of why he is the way he is. So not seeing really any of it in the first season was kind of interesting. But now in the second season, getting so much of him, like I mean, we've got to laugh out of him at some point. It was like, whoa, he, he can laugh? <laughs> getting, getting emotion out of him finally was really interesting. Um, so that's been great as well because I think there's so much in him that I don't know if they did it, if they showed all that stuff in the, the movie, or if if so far with the animated series they haven't shown anything, because I don't think I've watched the movie. But, um, yeah, it's good stuff. It's, it's good stuff. If you're, if you're a 
if you're a D&D nerd and you want to jump into something like this, definitely check it out. I think the only negative I would give it is that while they're doing a great job keeping the character designs, which the character designs are very detailed, like the Lizard Man, um, even the Dwarf Shaman, like they're so they're so intricate in their designs. So having a studio be able to design, uh, you know, animate those, even the Goblin Slayer himself, his armor and everything, is very difficult to animate. But a lot of the action scenes are kind of let down. Like they're not they're not very well animated. Um, but other than that, it's 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 a it's a great series. So. Yeah, that's, that's, that's Goblin Slayer. Our dating story, The Experienced You and The Inexperienced Me. Uh, Kaiken Zumi na Kimi to Kaiken Zero na Ore ga Otsu Kiai Suru Hanashi. This one follows a guy named Ryoto. And Ryoto likes this girl in his school named Runa. She's like this really gorgeous Gyaru character. Uh, there's a lot of rumors around that she's pretty much like the neighborhood bike. Everybody's everybody's slept with this girl. She's she's like that. Uh, well, at some point, his his friends have like this punishment game with him, and the punishment is that he has to essentially confess to the girl that he likes. And he's like, "Oh yeah, that's right. That's that's Runa. Dang. Well, I don't want to. I don't want to lose the only friends that I have. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go with them on this, and I'll just do it and get it over with." He confesses to Runa, and she's like, "Oh well, I'm single right now, so." Sure, why not? And he's like, "Oh wait, that, that's crazy." She was supposed to. She's gonna. She's supposed to decline. Uh, so they start going out together. Uh, immediately, the first day, he goes and you know goes to her place. Her parents aren't there. She invites him up to his room. He kind of sifts around her drawers for a minute, and then she comes in and she goes, "Oh, that's right." And then she starts to unbutton her shirt, and he's like, "Wait, what are you doing?" She's like, "Oh, you you want to do it, right?" He's like, "No, I don't want to do it." <laughs> I mean, yeah, I kind of do want to, but no, I, I, that's not that's what not what I meant. You know, we don't have to do that. Um, and kind of what follows that is she's like, oh, well, okay. Usually, all the boys, that's what they immediately want, and I figured that's what you wanted too. Okay, that's cool. And then from then on, it's pretty much essentially from Ryoto's side. The story is a guy who never seems to think that he's good enough for Runa, always thinking that she might be possibly messing with him, always expecting the next day she's possibly just gonna dump him and walk away guy that just doesn't really have any self-confidence while the opposite end runa is a girl who yes has a lot of experience as the title would lead you to believe somebody who every boyfriend she's ever been with always wants the same thing they want her body and they just they just pretty much discard her um now learning essentially what traditionally most people see relationships as is the idea of two people being together wanting to spend time with each other and gradually over time, you get the desire to want to hold hands, kiss. You know, you, you go through the, the the bases on the baseball field. <laughs> you go through the, each of the diamonds one by one rather than going, you know, you go up to bat and you suddenly go, ah, home run. <laughs> you have to go through these steps. And that's what she's sort of learning. She's learning how nice it is to have a boyfriend for once that wants to know what she likes, wants to know what she wants to do. She's always so used to just always being okay, the boy wants to do this next, the boy wants to do this next, and never really having any sort of say in a relationship. So it's it's basically super hot waifu girl that has never had a good relationship, uh, plain protagonist character who doesn't force her to do bad things, and thus she's absolutely in love with him because he likes her because she's her now. Then we have the appearance of the only girl who he has ever confessed to, which is why he partly doesn't have any self-confidence, uh, this girl shows up at his school, a transfer in, 
and she starts spreading rumors. And yeah, he realizes really quickly it's the girl from that he confessed to and and then confronts her about spreading those rumors and then come to find out that girl is actually the sister of Runa and she wants to destroy Runa and take Ryoto back because she realized that she liked Ryoto. And now when she's in this new school, her sister who takes everything from her has now taken away her the guy that she didn't go out with. And so she's going to take him away. Um, yeah, that thing. It's. I think next episode is going to be very special. I just have a feeling the next episode is going to be very, very special. Because, sp- slight spoilers, the sister of Runa is now dressed up as Runa and is going to seduce Ryoto. <laughs> We're going there. She's like, I want to do it. And they're in this dark little... Anyways, what what's your thoughts on this first episode or two episodes? It's a special show. I, the, the, You're like, I kind of need to watch the rest of it. I know what was going on. I kind of watch this. God, this sounded like it just turned into a crazy soap opera. A, 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 a train wreck. I ain't even at, 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 the, at the intersection. I got to go and check this out. Oh, by the way, Ryota is his own grandpa. <laughs> <laughs> oh... Um, yeah, I, the, the part that I, I seen was really sweet. I, I did really love the, the whole, um, just kind of the, the, the contrast between the two and, and how they, they see each situation. Um, I do, while I do think that, um, Ryoto is, is kind of a bit too dithery for me. I kind of want him to be a little bit more assertive not necessarily pushy i i like the way he is as far as his him and and her relationship is concerned but when it comes down to it i he's he's a little bit too oh i don't know what to do um and that that's a bit much for me i i i just kind of wish he was more assertive in in his desires not necessarily just be because it it does it it feels unnatural and this is a show that really feels like it's trying to be um true to life and because especially with her she's she's more along the lines of like like Andrew had said oh well that obviously this is what boys want this is what what I'm supposed to be doing and and I like that that is actually delving into that that psyche and 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 trying to actually put that forward as not necessarily it, it, there's there's more to life than just these two things it's either one way or the other it, you you can actually have an, a nice natural relationship and and I think that that's really awesome if they actually can pull that off especially with all these weird things that Andrew's talking about later on I mean th- there is credit to be there's credit be, to be due here in the idea that yes, this is the uh, I don't know probably the only case is very rare case of yes a female character lead in a show that is experienced. Um, there was a lot of joking early on when this was first kind of coming out and this idea of a lot of people being frustrated with the idea of oh my gosh she's not pure, and I I do like that because that is a thing that it does technically open the door to address the concept of ex- experience and non-experience. And I think it kind of plays into the same thing I had a feeling with Higehiro. Whereas he, in Higehiro is the same concept of this girl that felt like she w- it was a necessity that because she ran away from home, she needed a place to stay. So she would find men. She would go back to their place. She would stay at their place. But in return, she gave up her body to them. 
And so you have the main character of Hikahiro is finally given her a place to stay. And she's like, oh, well, here you go. And he's like, no, I don't. I'm not doing that. I'm like, no, stop. Put your clothes back on. I'm not doing that. Um, drawing that line firmly. Now, this is a case of two characters being of the same age, same you know year and everything like that. So it's obviously a different story here. Whereas Higuhiro is obviously gray area. They should not be in the same household together because they're not related and they're different age. But with this one, it's more an idea of a relationship. And through Runa, like I said, technically explained to her that not that Ryoto's way of doing a relationship is how you're supposed to do it, but technically there is other options here. And yes, the people that you were before with before weren't really showing you a proper relationship. And so she had this skewed view of it. And not that it's doing, not that, I guess my only problem is that it's not necessarily like it was go, it's going out of its way to go, holy crap, this Runa character is deep. Like this, this story is deep. Like they're getting to her psyche and how much she's struggling with this. No, it's just like, oh, <laughs> okay, that actually is kind of nice. And then next scene, like, oh, you want to know what I want to do? Oh, that's nice. And then they go do it. It's like, it's not, like I said, it's not like it's. And I think that's really partly because it's not really spending time with Runa's character. It's it's usually always Ruto, uh, Ryoto's uh, perspective, so we're not really necessarily getting into Runa's side of the whole thing. It's just she vocalizes every now and then like, oh, that's nice. That's different. Okay, I kind of like this. It was only like here recently, this recent episode, that suddenly she's like, yeah, I kind of like that there's a step process. I kind of like that it's making me appreciate this, and I kind of want to do this now. She kisses him, and it's like, I want to do that. It doesn't feel like I have to do that. It's not obligated. So it's like, it. it this might be one of those cases where I think it is technically doing something very unique, but at the same time, it's probably not going to be deep enough as an anime. It's probably, mo it's, if possibly the light novel does more perspectives from Runa, I can see the light novel doing this a lot better as a story. But um, it's fine. It's fine in the end. I, I, I'm going to check out one more episode just to see where this trash fire goes with this <laughs> sister, which I think, honestly, the sister, the sister's ruining it. The moment the sister showed up, I was like, oh, gosh, we're doing this. And then it just keeps getting worse. Like every every scene with with the sister, it's like, oh, gosh, this is getting really dumb. Like, it's getting so stupid. We're getting you might as well have her with the derpy face with a bunch of pictures of Ryoto on the wall and on his, her ceiling and and her drooling as she takes a red marker to Runa's face in every image. It's, it's that bad. But we'll see. I'll get one more episode. It's not it's not a bad show, and I, I do agree with Chris. It's got a wholesomeness to it. There is a wholesome value to it. And again, a lot of that's to do with somebody discovering that they're not like like not like I said, like I said, not really necessarily going out of the way to say I was used for my body before, but really necessarily more of a I'm appreciated more now than I was. And yeah, maybe those other relationships weren't really relationships. So there you go. That's our dating story. If you want the show about an experienced girl that does not actually do the main character because he's going whoa 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 whoa. There you go. He's not the really whoa 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 type. It's just he's like you know whenever you want to. No, yeah, just just whenever. You want to? Yeah, I guess. Whenever, whenever, whenever I guess. no, just when I, I maybe when I'm you, exaggerating no, when you a little want bit. To, when you want to, I kind of want to, but when you want, it's like internally he's like, yeah, and then he's like, no, but when you want to, yeah, I want to. No, when you want to, uh, it makes sense. 
Have you been watching Steel Hero season three? Yes. Yeah. What's you thinking of the new season? We we just got rid of the tortoise, uh, the tortoise guardian, and now we got the phoenix guardian coming, and he's got yeah. to he's got to get the band back together. Well, first, yeah, if first you we, want to call it getting the band first, back together, if you want to call it that, we'll go with that. First, he <laughs> had to go buy a village of soldiers because he's got to he's got to increase his um uh, his soldier numbers in his his village, and, and then and then now he's looking for the party. One of the um, I now that I've got I've done the audiobook a, a little bit. It, it's actually kind of funny that they're actually bringing up the seven star things now because it's almost like oh we kind of forgot this back here we need to get it in here now so they're kind of shove shoehorning it in this section and i i I got a kick out of that but in all actuality i actually love this section this uh we're introducing some new characters kind of getting some some throwing into the uh working up of a couple of the other characters that should have been talked about a long time ago we're we're getting into some stuff that I haven't uh, actually gotten into in the book, but I absolutely love it. It um, love the new kind of systems that we're bringing in. Um, can't wait to see where they go with a couple of the other heroes. Um, so yeah, I'm loving it. It's better than season two. Mm-hmm. That's all I'm gonna give, really give it. It's better than season two. It looks better than season two. Um, but the, I mean, that's given that season two was mostly bad because it was a big gigantic CGI tortoise 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 turtle turtle um the first segment was very shrug for me this whole like doing the underground thing was kind of was kind of blah for me i i I think my biggest issue and i like the whole thing with the getting the 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 children back and whatnot and taking them back to the village and building up the village and reinforcing it i don't know why suddenly for some reason anybody that can fight is leaving the village so that the village gets attacked by bandits again i didn't understand that whole thing but whatever but the thing that's the only the only really necessarily 100% stain of this so far, I mean, it's been enjoyable. It's been enjoyable so far. Besides, the, the only thing that really so far I hate is what I've hated about the entire series. So nothing's changed necessarily. What I've always hated about the series, the antagonist characters are dumb. Like the, the writer sucks at antagonist characters. And now we got mine coming back and Ren is being manipulated by her. Whatever, move on. It, it, like everything around mine, the other, the other, the other heroes have been so one note, garbagely wrote that I, I never care about them. Every time they bring up the other heroes, it's just like get them off the screen. I don't care. Um, and the antagonist. So the antagonist and the heroes, I've always hated. Malfumi and his story and him building up and all that kind of stuff and him building up individuals around him. I've always liked that kind of stuff, and we're getting plenty of more of that in the season. That's why I've been enjoying it. But I still, I still hate the, the antagonists. They're, they're just the whole thing. The whole scene with Rin and and, and Moto Yasu and, and mine was like, oh, God, please just please stop. Like, I almost feel like just skipping past it. And then, yes, getting Moto Yasu inspired by Fido. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, moving on. Girlfriend, girlfriend, season two. How you been, how you been liking season I, two? I didn't of shake my girlfriend. head lo- loud enough, huh? I, I think people got that indication by me laughing. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta just, yeah, I shake my head and look away in disgust. Moving on. <laughs> so what have you been thinking of Girlfriend, Girlfriend season two? I've only like watched maybe an episode and a half, so I'm not even, I don't know that I'm going to get caught up on it, but just because there's a 
this more superior version of it this season. It's like it's hard to watch it. I talked I talked about that in my tier list uh, of the season that I did last Thursday. It was like legit. It's not that it's a bad show. It's just there's such a better show on right now that does everything better than Girlfriend Girlfriend, and that's a hundred <laughs> girlfriends. Like, am I am I you you're a big fan of Girlfriend Girlfriend. I love Girlfriend. Do you agree? Girlfriend. I actually am really loving the the Hunter Girlfriends. So it The last episode of Hunter Girlfriends wasn't as good. Um Oh the, come the on. Girl. You didn't like Comey? You didn't like AI? I I, Not AI. I, I, I like her. And she there there it was funny, but it wasn't as funny as <laughs> the first few episodes. Um no the um I thought Girlfriend, her, Girlfriend. I, thought, I thought her with a ponytail was great. But we're talking about that later. Sorry, go ahead. Girlfriend, girlfriend. Um, I I don't know. I the I. It's almost like they've shifted from being funny to kind of more, um, getting the doki doki moments, and that I don't think that that's translating well. Um, we still do. <laughs> you suck at romance, writer. <laughs> It, you, you're you're funny when you're t- pointing out the absurdity of the situation. You're not as funny when you're actually trying to be f- cute and uh, and uh, <laughs> romancing. Um, no, it's it's fine. It's the we're getting we're getting to a point where we've gotten through the the uh, fireworks festival, and now we're going to camping, and the camping has just been an absolute just just. There's fire everywhere, and we're not sure what to do at this point. <laughs> um, but now we have officially uh, the the fourth the fourth girl has officially uh, announced that she is into him. So now we've just got the absurdity of girlfriend. I want to be your girlfriend, and or we want her to be a girlfriend, but she's be, because she's too cute to let her go, and we've got. The girl who wants to be a girlfriend who can't be a girlfriend, and we have um, the girl who's hiding the fact that she likes likes him. So it's just an absolute, just everybody, all man for himself. So I, I do have to appreciate the fact that he, they've they've done surprisingly well in keeping him at these are my two girls, and I'm not doing anything else. Because I, I thought I thought for sure this would be one of those series where it's always literally I love you, Tashkani, you're in the party. And then next scene, blah, blah, has joined the party. And then literally next scene, okay, I, I love you. Oh, yeah, all right, cool, you're in the party. Next scene, they have joined the party. Um, so that's been kind of surprising. But yeah, like I said, I only watched the first episode. Shino was saying that she wanted to, to put an end to Naoya getting with two girls at once. And yeah, I have a bunch of pictures of you, which obviously implies something. Oh, yeah, and then, then Rika wanted to go with them, or wanted to get in the house, too, and she barred herself up in the house, and then dragged him to her house, where she pulled the sister card. The sister card. card. I know. I loved it. She pulled her sister in the room and said, go at it. And the sister's <laughs> like, do I have to? Yes, do it. And then she proceeds to be the most adorable little sister ever, and she's like, see, if, you, if I could be your girlfriend, she's your sister, and he's like... Tushkani. That's right. <laughs> Tushkani. Demo. Isn't it bad that somebody wants to date you for your sister? <laughs> then she's Tushkani. Tushkani. <laughs> That's right. That is kind of creepy. And then the sister's like, can I go now? Uh, she was cute, though. The sister, the sister is awesome. Cute. I love this. Which sister. is another reason why Rika's best girl. 
Just saying. Anyways, who's best girl for you? Is it is it Nagisa still? I assumed it was Nagisa. No, I actually am in the in the Rika camp. I actually yeah, really? really like her. I've I've I think actually I've had liked the most her. fun with her character. Yeah. Like just the whole thing with the VTuber stuff on the in the outside of the, the house. I've actually really to, liked her. And having to have Nagisa Nagisa was g- adorable that first she was episode cute or two beginning yeah but then she's just and she's so she's nothing just, yeah exactly they don't do anything with her that's the, that, that's a sad thing i like shino because of rita takashi obviously but i haven't really they're not pulling her. off shino she th- her her scenes in the later part of the first season were hilarious because she was the one that was dropping all the truth bombs like yeah, well legally you can't do that touch <laughs> And and on top of that, she's the lucky lecturer of the group. Yeah. So it's 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 kind I've already of seen it. Don't worry. That's not the point. <laughs> she is she she is cute, but she, they haven't pulled her off yet. And and I I don't know if they're just gonna you know hit at some point with something really fantastic. But as it stands right now, she just kind of is there going. I I, I gotta break him break him up with uh with Nagisa and and. And Saki Saki, Saki Saki, Saki Saki, Saki Saki, Saki Saki. Saki Saki was cute at first too. I like Saki. She's the straight man character most of the time. Yeah, I I do like Saki, but she's kind of in the she's in the camp of okay, you're you're obnoxious when you're you're. I like her straight man, but she does get loud someday sometimes. Yeah, she she gets annoying sometimes, but uh, so but yeah, all all in all, I've I've loved Blondie so. Faraway Paladin season two. Yep. Faraway Paladin, the Lord of the Rust Mountains. Uh, this one's on uh, Crunchyroll running for 12 episodes. OLM and Sunrise Beyond is doing it this time. That was a surprise because I remember when I started watching this new season, I'm like, it kind of visually looks different. It actually looks visually different. And that's because, yeah, Child's Playground Entertainment was doing the first season. So they, they switched it up, which is kind of cool because I think OLM's decent. Sunrise Beyond is definitely a really good studio. I don't know how much each are doing what, but... Yeah, uh, of course, for those who don't know, it's about this guy who is transported into a fantasy world, and he's raised by three undeads, uh, Blood, Gus, and Mary, and they pretty much teach him everything he needs to know about the world as he's living inside of this uh, this crypt, the City of the Dead, and at some point, uh, he discovers the truth behind why, you know, what his why his family is there, which is basically his family, these undead are his family, why they're there, this whole pact made... This whole past uh, battle that happened with this, uh, this, what was it, like the High King or something like that? This, this stellar Stagnant, the, oh. No, Stagnant oh, was sorry. the one that made the pack with them. I'm there sorry, was another you, individual. You're, you're talking about King before. or something like that. Yeah. Yeah, the one that, the, the one that Blood, Gus, and Mary fought. Uh, there was this king that went around and was destroying everything, and Blood, Gus, and Mary fought them in the past. Um, so he learns about that whole thing, and then eventually uh, he ends up leaving the crypt, going out into the world, eventually liberates this forest kills all the monsters in it and then invites everybody back to the the lands and starts to cultivate it and becomes deemed the lord of that land which was a shock to him in the first season and now he's pretty much taking care of that land and as he's investigating this one forest he ends up finding this uh this corruption that was happening they clear the corruptions and then they get a prophecy given to them that there's this fire of the black calamity or whatever that is going to ooze out of the rust mountains and destroy everything and then you also have the dwarves fleeing from the the mountains and taking refuge there as well. And yeah, that's 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 the gist so far. What's your, what's your thoughts? I love the first season, and I absolutely love this season. I the there's there's something to be said about just 
just a high fantasy story just being told at a very um, methodical pace. It takes the time to kind of flesh out each one of these characters. It's, it's taken its time to kind of build up the tension of the situation um, slowly and uh, keeping the entire world in this kind of, you get both a sense of the spread out nature of this world and at the same time still keeping a localized feeling in, involved in uh, Will and his his kind of city that he's built here. Um, and while, it, and, and like I said, and at the same time, you're still seeing that there's there's these mountains way over here. Um, there, he's still in contact with the bishop that and the and the lord of the 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 place where that that kind of made him into a paladin. He, he's still technically talking to them over there. Um, so you still have a sense of the white the the ma- the vastness of the world, and still at the same time keeping it local in the, that general vicinity. Oh yeah, I um, forgot to mention that. Uh, he also got blessed by the goddess of light. So yeah, he's a disciple of the goddess of light. Which they didn't make it. They didn't make it out like the goddess of light wasn't really that big. Like back, like no, barely anybody mentioned yes, her. Yes, she she was she a, like a she was almost a forgotten god. Yes. Yeah, yeah. She shows up. She's hot, and she's like, "Will you're mine." And he's like, "All right, cool." <laughs> <laughs> Will you're mine. All right, cool. And yeah, she makes him like powerful, and so he's yeah, he's basically a paladin. Yeah. But yeah, now um, now we've introduced um, kind of the dwarves. Um, we've uh, brought in um, Rue, which he was a little bit annoying at first, um, but he did. He is starting to come into he his own. He was pampered. So that was the he point. was pampered. I gotcha. He wanted to get um, stronger, so he's gonna become a thane. But yeah, he's he's really come into his own in the last couple of episodes. So I'm 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 kind of. Okay, he we, we, we got past that point. Um now now I'm really liking him. I, I really like that he's an addition to the group. We've got um we're getting ready to go and do something huge. So we'll see. We'll see. Yeah, I I really, really enjoyed the first season. Uh, I agree with Chris and the idea that this is kind of a story that takes its time and really builds the world. And there's certain aspects of the backstory stuff that I'm kinda like, ugh. I kind of have my predictions on what that is, and I don't know if I like it because I typically don't like that in most of these types of stories. Um, but at the same time, it is done well in building the world and building the mechanics and building the lore of the world itself, and just being uh, being like a setting that you can really immerse yourself in and understand it. Like I, I, I didn't care much for uh, Menildor at first, but over time, like when he pretty much joins uh, Will and his his fealty to Gracefield, the the goddess of light was was really cool. Um, I like a lot of the characters. I think they, they've done a really great job of kind of building each other and the characters. That's why with Lo, I didn't really, I didn't really figure that it was going to be a bad character. I figured eventually it's going to be a really good, great character. Um, at the same time, I will admit that getting into the second season, I haven't, I don't know if it's just my current mindset. I was super engrossed in the first season. And that's why me and Chris were both like, if they don't announce another season because it's it's taking so long, literally the first season is literally a prologue. Like it's just literally to in, in introduce the world and he walks out the door. So it, like without a second season, it was going to be a massive letdown. Not that the story's bad. It's just it was like I need something else. I need to see what this world is. I he's finally walking out the door. Give me more. And now we're finally getting that. And I don't. 
I don't know if I'm just not in the mindset right now to really engage in it, but I haven't really found myself fully invested like I was with the first season. So I'm really hoping that changes over time. I've had an episode here and there where I really enjoyed it, but I'm hoping I'm hoping it hooks its I'm hoping it gets its claws in me again. And I almost felt like I because it wasn't grabbing me, I almost felt like going back and rewatching the first season just so I can get back into it and then jump back in the second season and see if it changed anything, but I still love Will's character. Will is a fantastic character. He's a he's such a different character than you typically get in Japanese storytelling because let's face it, every warrior, every every church reference in an anime is going to be that evil cult that kills people. Um so to finally have like a religious individual that is the main character that is a good person that is going around saving lives and trying to do his best for his, you know, his grace field and and he's literally like a man of the cloth carrying that sword. He's like a he's a straight up paladin I, character that you just don't see in anime. You never see paladin characters in anime. Whenever you do see paladin characters, they're the guy that's yeah, grabbing a woman and throwing him inside of a shed and then everybody's screaming and then they end up getting their head cut off by the the main character. They're they're never really seen as positive and I think that Will is such a unique character in that regard. He's like I know that yes, the faraway paladin writer loves Mushoku Tensei. He's a massive fan of Refugion. He said that. I do really feel like this is kind of like the same lore of the world. Like he it is feel this kind of itches that same that same lore of the world itself that Mashuko gets. But the characters aren't dirty like Mashuko. I'm not saying they're the one and one this isn't a one for one. I'm just saying it seems like I get that same feeling there. But it's so it's almost like I I, I always pause whenever I do this because I'm always afraid of doing this. It's almost like that same thickness that you get of Mushoku Tensei's world. But with this one, Will isn't an isekai who's a nasty person with a lot of internal struggles of being a nasty person and constantly thinking like a nasty person. He's much more neutral of a main character being brought into another world that gets fully wrapped in that world. Like he, I don't remember the last time he's ever thought about his previous life. Yeah. He's literally engrossed in the world and he's dedicated himself, devote himself to Grace Feel. So it's almost like if Rudius wasn't a nasty person in his previous life, a very neutral person, Isekai'd, but immediately devotes himself to a god of that world. It's pretty much that. But like I said, the only real comparison I'm here, I, that, that jokes aside, is the only comparison I'm getting here is I get that same feeling of how much thought is put into the world itself and breathing life into it. Um, characters themselves nowhere near the same. <laughs> the main characters are nothing alike. Um, but yeah, sorry. The only thing I was going to toss in was uh, I I did love the the point that um, it it kind of is a nod to him as as a paladin per se is uh, him and Rue had gotten into a uh, kind of conversation of. Um, the gods and he brought up stagnant um as a and and he and stagnate stagnate and uh will was kind of pointing out that stagnate is not really even per se an evil god he is just a god that loves humans so much and and rue was kind of like thrown back by this and he's like well why would yeah, you say seem, that they seem they seem to like point out a lot of misconceptions of the gods yeah. in the first season if i remember correctly and he he was pointing out it, it's it's he he loves humans so much that he wants them to continue being alive he does not want them to die and that's the whole point of what stagnate is and and it's 
I actually, I, I didn't even think of it that way. I, and I really, really love the fact that he points stuff like that out. It's really drives into what this, like Andrew was saying, just how much that there is in built, built into the world because, and the, the, the writer just takes his time in, in, in feeding it to you. I yeah, can't I, wait I until he gets into words and, and how, because he, he words keep getting brought up over and over and over again. Gus went into words a lot. Um, and now that we're getting into the, this, this, this new, uh, uh, part, words keep getting brought up again and again. I can't wait to get into words. Yeah. I want to say that after they had the fight at the end of the first season, they kind of got into stagnate and that misconception of what he, what he liked or whatever. But Yeah. I seem to recall that. It's good stuff. It's good stuff. Yeah. Let's um Broadway Paladin. Like I said, I, I I don't know, maybe I'll maybe I'll rewatch it from the first episode of the second season again and just see if it if it if I can settle down a little bit more. I, I've been like super like tied for time right now, so it's it's hard to really fully get yourself invested. Did they mention how old B was? I for some reason it felt like gosh dang it if at the end of the series Will doesn't get with B at the end cuz I seen right? she's like a <laughs> she's like a dwarf race or something like that. So she's like super cheesy she's a halfling. size but yeah, she's super cute. I love them together. They're such they're so fun. They had they're, this little, they're, this little perfect single episode where they were going out to get some information on this hero that she met a long time ago from this academy that Gus went to and it was just cute kind of seeing them walk around together. They're just they're great. Will's a good boy. Will's such a good boy. Like, Will, it's literally like, it's, the the Faraway Paladin is literally the good boy, the animation. Will's a good boy. Spy Family 2, have you been enjoying the Spy Families? I I I haven't even started it. Uh, I've been enjoying it just because we're finally getting Yor doing stuff. (laughs) That's all I care about. Yor did a, the first episode, we got immediately, Yor got a job and got shot in the butt. That was hilarious. And then we got a couple episodes of of, of OK, and then we got uh, essentially... Them all going out on a cruise together, and you're finally questioning if she even wants to be an assassin anymore, which I thought was really fantastic. But it's been, it's been more Spy Family. It's literally one of those shows. It's kind of hard to talk about because it's like, yeah, it's fun, it's cute, funny things happen. Um, whenever Yuri gets an episode, I hate it, and then that's it. <laughs> Yuri episodes suck, um, and the rest of the show's great. Um, I kind of don't like Fiona as well, so yeah, I've been enjoying that. Uh, what else? Uh, Undead, Unluck. I did it, Chris. Have we talked about Undead Luck? No, and I even downloaded it, feels, it this week. It feels like... We, which means you haven't watched it? Nope. Oh, my gosh. Well, we can't wait anymore, so I'm sorry. It's, it's no, part three. It's, 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 you failed, it Chris. You failed. Yeah, Undead Unluck is essentially a, a setting like ours, modern times, but there's different individuals throughout the world that have different abilities, and uh, one of such individuals is Fuko which she has the power of unluck. And unfortunately, while she was younger, she believes she hugged and kissed her parents while they got on to, before they got on a plane and the plane blew up when it was on the runway, so she blames herself for their death because yes, she does have this ability technically that whatever she touches, she places unluck upon them. And as she's finally finished her favorite manga, she's decided upon her, decided herself, I'm going to just end my life. And so she goes jump goes to a bridge to jump onto a train and kill herself. And then suddenly Andy shows up and Andy has the power of undead. And so he can't die. And he finds out that she has the ability of unluck and wants her to use her ability on him. So he gets so much unluck that he can finally die. And so thus they run off together. 
they end up getting under the attention of an organization that essentially finds people with abilities and takes them out. And so Andy's like, this sucks. I, I, I need you to stay alive, Fuko, because I need you alive long enough that you give me enough unluck that I can die. So I'm going to I'm going to protect you. And she's like, well, why are they trying to kill me? Because now it seems like she doesn't want to die. <laughs> she's finally decided that she wants to die. She kind of likes Andy. Um, but yeah, she doesn't like the idea this group is going around killing all these people. And now they're after them. So she brings up the bright idea of, well, if we take out two of your guys' members, maybe then we can join the organization and then we won't have to get killed anymore. So yeah, Annie thinks it's a great idea and starts taking out their members. They take out two members, end up joining the organization. That's where we have, soft spoiler, the, the, the reveal of the organization itself, which is Union, which they essentially take orders from the first artifact ever found on Earth. Now, this is where things I think is probably where this story goes from just being a typical show shown into. It's, it, I'm assuming this is the hook, unless there's something else later. This artifact, essentially, on a periodical point, will list out several quests. I think at this the time that the last episode was like six quests. These six quests are literally like, go here, do this. And it's typically to take out or capture a target. And these uh, these targets are typically people with abilities. And they list out these six targets, or these six quests. And then the members of this round table, which can only be a certain number of people, only they can accept those quests or decline them. If they accept and complete the quests, they get rewards. They haven't said what those rewards are yet. I'm assuming it's something. If they don't complete the quests or they fail the quests, a curse is placed upon the world. Now, it's vague at first. What are these penalties or curses being placed upon the world? They go to explain... There's like 200 or, or no, I think it said like a thousand. There, there's a lot of them. There's a lot of there's a lot of failures already, by the way, and they're listing them all out. It says illness, death. These are all curses that have been put upon the earth over many years, and that includes things like death and everything. Everything negative in the world itself has been a a failure of one of these quests. So that's what their duty is to complete as much of these quests as possible, get as less penalties as possible. So they can complete enough of these quests so they can eventually kill the god that's behind it. That seems to be the goal. So, yeah, that's um, that's undead luck, unluck so far. Let me change this real quick. I keep seeing it. And I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it. Oh, don't. <laughs> you know what? You know what's, what's sad? Is when I was trying to find this the other day on... Uh, I, I was... Were I you kept, looking for unlock? I, I was looking for unlock. <laughs> where did it start? I have no idea where it started. At some point during our whole process that we do every single season, at some point, I got it into my head from somewhere that it was undead unlock. And so I thought her ability was unlocking unluck. And I kept saying undead unluck or unlock. And then, yeah, I made a whole video of my first impressions saying unluck or unlock. Now, see, I, now I can't now I can't break myself again. I fixed myself, and now I can't purposely break myself. Probably Anyways. because unlock is not really a word. That's, yeah, unlock is a word, which unlock is technically. Yeah, that's probably it. Thank you, Chris. And now everybody that was being mean to me because of that, just know that your unlock word isn't a word. <laughs> so no crap I say it wrong. Anyways, uh, yeah, I've been loving this show so far. Early on, I just loved it for the chemistry. I think Fuko and Andy were just so much fun together because a lot of it was literally 
this girl wanted to give up on life. He wouldn't let her because he wants her to give him bad luck first. He's trying to figure out what her ability is. She's explained that there's like different like like levels of it like depending on what she does it's going to give him even more bad luck and so he's trying all these things like well maybe if i grab you here or just completely embrace you naked or something maybe i'll get more or maybe if yeah we we get to bed together maybe that'll do something and she's like no i don't want to do that because she basically fools him into thinking that it's all about how much she cares for him and if you if you force yourself upon me then i'll really hate you and you'll never get bad luck and so she's kind of doing all these things to keep him in check. At the same time, over time, she is liking him because he's got this high energy, high positiveness about himself. He wants to do whatever she needs to do the right thing. And he's so non... he He's been around for a long time. And so he's, he's seemingly very no-nonsense. This is a guy that's like, all right, let's do this. All right, that sounds cool. Let's do this. All right, that sounds fun. He's so, like, to the point because it, it really gives you a sense that this guy's been around for a long time. And he just wants to get to that punchline. And that stuff isn't fantastic. And then, yeah, technically encountering somebody that was from his past, that whole segment was surprisingly pretty emotional. <laughs> he wasn't really expecting the show to get some emotional points in there. There, There is some aspects of his past that's kind of dredging up. Uh, there is aspects of, you know, the longevity of life and all that kind of stuff. Uh, that's definitely coming in there to kind of punch you in the stomach. And like I said, with this recent episode that I watched, getting into the union and what they're actually doing, I'm like, all right. I'm intrigued by this. This sounds actually kind of fascinating. This idea of, yeah, what if everything that we deal with on a regular basis that sucks in life, like cancer, what if cancer was a failed quest? And this is what these people are doing. And it's, it, it is kind of a, there wasn't a certain element to that conversation at that table that was almost like a, okay, let's, what, I think one of the members had the ability to kind of just calculate it and figure out what, what they could actually do. And they pretty much came to the conclusion of like, okay, we can do these ones. But this one ain't happening. Like he legit said, that one, we can't do that one. And so it is almost like they're triaging. Like, okay, handle as many of them as possible. That way we get less of these these penalties as possible. And they're literally, it's not a case of like, but we have to try. Otherwise, we're going to get another penalty. What's, what's that next penalty going to be? That the world's collapsing uh, slowly over time? Um, that suddenly every dog in the world blows up? Like, what can that next penalty be? Well, we don't want five of them, or we don't want six total. Um, we can't do that one, so let's make sure that we get to the five done, and we'll take that one penalty. Five, one penalty is better than six, basically. Um, that's kind of an interesting aspect to it. I don't know. I don't know how that's going to be, how or prevalent that's going to be, but it does technically help why Fuko, somebody like Fuko and Andy would even want to get involved because, again, Fuko wanted to get in there so that she can change the system and tell them to stop hunting down people with powers. So, it was a cool little hook. And like I said, I was already loving the show because I love Fuko and Andy's, like, goofy little uh, relationship they have going on there. The chemistry. And so, I'm, I'm already hooked with just, okay, I have this already, and now you got an interesting story. Cool. Let's do it. You've, you, you suddenly, out of nowhere, punched me in the stomach and got me emotional, so you can do that too. What else are you going to give me? <laughs> it's kind of like that whole thing. And then plus, David Productions is, whew, uh... Some crazy, it looked really good when I was some watching. crazy good visuals, dude. <laughs> yeah, when I was watching it in, in Andrew's room uh, a couple weeks ago, uh, it I really liked the way it looked, and I think it just is a uh, Andrew is absolutely or Andy is absolutely um, infectious. I can't you can't 
help but his Seiyu's nailing it. He he is. His, his Seiyu's so nailing that. Um but yeah, it's, it's great. I, I liked Fuko with better better with long hair, but at least they made a story beat out of it. It was cute. But yeah, love Andrew it. Andrew said it. they cut her hair. Hmm? Andrew said they ha- cut her cut her hair. Like I said, it was a good story. And I'm 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 it was a good story. That's it was, the it was only reason story. I haven't been watching it. I mean it makes they sense. Cut her hair. It makes sense. I mean, she can't have anybody touch her hair. Otherwise, Barbara's going to cut their hand off and die. Uh, yeah, Undead Unluck. Rainy Protocol. I don't want to spend much time on it. Did you, did you watch Rainy Protocol? No. It's it's essentially this net cafe that this guy works at. He does not like playing games, even though he's at, he works at a net cafe. He spends most of his days pretty much working at the net cafe in order to make money for his mom, uh, while at the same time doing his studies so that he can get a really good job. And we kind of find out that there's a reason why he doesn't want to play games at this net cafe and likes to stay far, far away from them. And that's because apparently some point in his past, his father died and he was super into gaming. And he knew that he was so addicted to gaming that he had to put it away in order to focus on making money for his mom and supporting his mom and his little sister. And at the same time, getting a good job. And so everybody's trying to convince him to play games. And yeah, Yeah. so the net cafe... They sure. apparently have an esports group, and that esports group ditches them because they weren't paying them. And so, they, in order to save the net cafe, they need to help them get out of this debt. So they're going to go to this esports tournament in order to get the prize money. And so, yes, they somehow talk Shun into getting back in the game, and then they form an esports group. And yeah, so happens uh, one of the people that was in his past that used to play the game with him is so happens to be this really hot actress chick. Um, so you have the hot astri- ha- actress chick, you have the, the chunky, nerdy, uh, Rudius guy, you have the, uh, childhood friend Nozomi who always takes care of him that he never appreciates. You have Akito who is the, the, the rando nerd dude and yeah, they go play Wii Sports together. Um, it's visually horrific. <laughs> it's not, not horrific, but it's visually like a three, I would say it's a three out of 10 visually. Like, bad model, off-model characters constantly uh, are really dumb. I, de- I would say it's dumb looking, but at the same time, it's not as bad as it could be looking video game they're constantly playing. Because it's like this random arena shooter game that's constantly popping up on the screen whenever they're playing it. Um, so I guess give them credits for at least the game not looking as bad as it could look. But, yeah, I, I think my biggest frustration about this show is... Its premise so far has not really done anything that has grabbed me. Again, you have characters that for some reason feel you you early on when it's like this whole aspect of like, no, I'll never touch a game again. And everybody's like, don't tell him to touch the game. You're gonna you're you're gonna bring back his trauma. Don't drag him into the game. He needs to stay away from the games. Yeah, I'll never play a game. It, it like overplays this, like, what did he do? My assumption was that maybe he because his sister's injured and dis- disabled, maybe he was playing a game so much he got so into the game that he neglected his little sister. Maybe she fell in the bathtub and was crying out, but he was so absorbed in his game that his mother came home like 10 hours later, come to find the sister like is permanently disabled because he literally didn't go into the bathroom and take her to the hospital fast enough. No, it's his dad got killed in the car accident so he didn't want to play games because he can get addicted to the games and so he wants to focus on work and school 
why are we making this out like don't ever tell Shun to pick up a mouse again? It, it, it was just it was one of those really bizarre like overplaying a trauma that wasn't really there. And then later on, the sister's like so into the idea that he's playing the game again. She's happy for him, and she wants to show like her brother this shot this 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 play that was on the 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 tournament they just did. And the mother gets angry. Put that away. It's like wait, okay, wait, 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 wait. So it wasn't just simply the dad died and he stopped playing so that he could focus on taking care of them. Is it? Are we, what is? Why is the mom mad? Like it's like why are we making this so played up? What happened? Uh, are we not telling the whole story here? Um, it's like over dramatizing it. Uh, but that aside, overall the show's kind of like a again three out of ten produced anime about. Uh, direct uh, written by hello fellow kids. Um, I know esports too. I'm a hip writer that doesn't know really much about computers, gaming, or esports whatsoever. Shoehorning in a love triangle about a guy who's always been taken care of by this childhood friend that will eventually dump her over the hot model girl that happens to be somebody that played games with him a long time ago that he hasn't figured out is that same person for some reason. And he constantly talks to her uh, on in the chat rooms about the person that he just met that is the same person because he can't figure it out. I don't know. I don't know what else to say. It's just a. It's been pretty blah so far, and I hate the fact that someone here you is doing the music for it, for the OP at least. The OP is a banger. The OP is super good. Yeah, that's the only thing good about the show. Go watch the OP and then not play. Then watch. Then don't watch the rest of it. And yeah, technically, the the hot model girl looks just like uh, Rika from Rent a Girlfriend. So if you like, if you liked Rika from Rent a Girlfriend and you want to see her actually get the main character, you'll probably get it here. So there you go. Maybe the writers like they, they wrote this whole story for the sake of making Rika the main girl. <laughs> Anyways, that's that's that. Pig Liver. Oh, I hope you're watching that. An episode or two behind. Oh, okay. So you are watching. That's fine. Yeah, Buta Reba or Heat the Pig Liver. Uh, the story of a man who turned into a pig. Uh, yeah, this one is Dean Dynamite Project number nine, based on a light novel, comedy, fantasies, the genres. It opens up with this guy waking up in a pig pen. He's a fantasy world or some sort of other world. And he realized very quickly he can't move. This girl walks into the barn, looks over the, the fence at him, and he's like, crap, I'm surrounded by pigs. He goes to try to call out for her, and nothing but a pig noise comes out. And then she goes and gets this this raft, throws her on, throws him on it, and drags him out of there. He wakes up in a bed in this mansion where she has applied something on him to in order to help him restore his body. And that's when he finds out that he's a pig. Straight up a pig. He he got he he he's essentially in his previous life was an otaku, and he apparently at some point ate something and ended up being transported into another world as a pig. It works out that uh, this girl that drug him out of there into this room is a girl that's a certain race in this world that is able to read minds, and so she can read every one of his thoughts, even though he's constantly thinking about this, this beautiful woman before me that he wants to do all these inappropriate things to. And she's like, okay, all right, I'll take care of you, whatever. And he's like, oh crap, you can actually hear what I'm saying. Please don't listen to everything I'm thinking about. Um, he even tries to try to add effects in his own mind to distinguish what is his internal thoughts that she shouldn't address. 
and what are where he's trying to talk to her. Um, but yeah, over time, we kind of learn more things about the world itself. People use these certain gems that have different abilities to them, like this black one that has the ability to grant wishes. And they're very expensive. They're sold at the store. And she, again, is of this certain race that's able to read minds. They all have to wear collars. And they're pretty much an entire race that are subjugated to be servants to people. And at some point, he has, she has to go back to the, the town in order to buy one of these black gems because, oh, yeah, by the way, I used one of those gems in order to restore your body. And so I need to get a new one. We get a little sense of people trying to swindle her uh, with some used gems. And he saves her from that situation, um, tries to help her buy a real one from the store by selling him because he can dance. And he tells he does a dance, dance, <laughs> dance, dance revolution routine. And then at some point, uh, they go on a travels to the kingdom because uh, she he asks her, basically, is there any other people that can... Or is, it, is it normal for animals to talk? Uh, and she says, oh, no, not really. And she's like, well, there was a time in the past that there was this big mage, this big war. And there was a group of people that could turn people into animals. And one person that would know a lot about that would be the king themselves. So they're, she's already heading to the kingdom. And so she decides to take him with her and address the king to find out if the king knows about how to change him back into a human. And then along the way, their journey, we end up finding a little more about what Jess's race is supposed to do. That they're destined at some point to have to travel to the kingdom on this pilgrim and this pilgrimage and a lot of secrets behind their race and a lot of tragedies that's happened in the past. Um, certain groups that like to hunt down their particular race. Um, because their bodies are worth money. So it gets darker and darker as it goes along. <laughs> so what's your thoughts on Butareba so far? Well, if it's getting darker, maybe I shouldn't continue. Um, no, I, I, so far it's been kind of just a goofy, fun uh, romp so far. I really, really love um, the pig and, and all the, the goofy inner dialogue that he's got. Um, Jess is absolutely adorable. I I really love her. I really think that they just work well together. Um, it's impure and too pure. Yeah, like he's super. He's super etchy, and she's super too pure. It, it, and, it, and it really, really does uh, work out. I mean, I really love the the interplay between the two characters. They are just. It's almost like. I mean, she's almost this silent protagonist in in a way, and and he's just ranting and raving and going on and on and on and on, and she's like, "Yeah, I I, I accept that," and and it just works. It it really does work. I I, I love it. So. He goes like this long, like for example, like they'll be walking down the street, and he's going on this long inner dialogue about the skirt flutters in the wind, the fabric slowly arching upwards giving me a pleasant thought, uh, sight of this holy fabric or whatever. And then she's literally like, I mean, you can walk closer if you want. <laughs> it's like, if you need to, you can get closer if you need to see under there. Like, she's just, again, like, there's a t there's two aspects of this story. Yes, pig. Um, Seiyu, absolutely nailing it. Um, I'm not a massive fan of the Seiyu, but holy crap. This is, like I've said several times elsewhere, if Aoyuki sold some Spider So What, this guy is selling this series. He is absolutely nailing the character, his his voice work and everything, just 
it nails his energy, the over the over the crazy uh, emotion that he's going or not emotion grandiose city grandiose yeah his like over the top narration that he's constantly giving he nails it. Um, his personality just absolutely bursts out of that character, even though it's all inner dialogue. And that technically is sort of the gist of the whole thing is that it's him and his goofy otaku self that is almost he is he loves beating himself up like this is a dude that will constantly make fun of himself. I am a dumb virgin otaku dirtbag and I'm going to go on a big tirade about how gorgeous this girl is in front of me. Please call me pig. Um, She says, if you keep calling me beautiful, I'll spank you. Yes, beautiful turns around and <laughs> sticks his butt up in the air. This guy is just not really holding anything back. And that's to a point is because it's in his head. He can't hold anything back. Everything he thinks about, she hears, which is the joke. The pure maiden, she's super pure, hearing everything and responding to it in a way that he sometimes doesn't want her to. Um, there was something they kind of established really early on is this idea that, yes, Jess is of this race that is subjugated and 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 discriminated against. And their race, all they do is serve people. And she serves this one house that he kind of wakes up in. Um, this is the house that she serves. She, all her life she's known is I do what my master says. And so she got that, she's got that subservient, that servant kind of mentality and the idea that everything that he says, she's going to say yes to. She doesn't have that blockade. She doesn't say no. And so he he finds himself really quickly going, okay, if you hear me ask that I want to do something, if you hear me think that I want to do something to you, don't do it. <laughs> don't listen to me because I don't want you to do things that I can't repay. I am a pig. I can't give, I can't repay any of this and, I, and I'll feel terrible. He, he quickly draws a line there, which I do appreciate. Um, but their interplay is absolutely fantastic and again a lot of that's to the fact that the fact that he's so loud and energetic and over the top at the same time she's so pure and so innocent at the same time every now and then running these moments where you get emotional you get these moments where jess went up far above and beyond and feels bad about him learning that she went above and beyond and doesn't want to put that that feeling of uh, responsibility upon him. This was my this was my doing. I messed up. I didn't want you to feel bad for me getting that gem for you. No, you did that for me. You saved my life. I'm gonna fix this situation. So it kind of turns this whole thing where it is Jess, who has no ability but to read minds and speak to other minds, and a pig, and essentially running into dif- difficult situations where he's gonna have to use his mind and communicating to her. To get them out of situations. He's not a powerful pig. He's not an OP main character. He has to use his wits. So far I haven't really seen too many situations. Where that actually comes to fruition. But that seems to be what they're going to be doing. Going forward because yes. Over time we're seeing that this is. Slowly unraveling. This is not a happy world. Um, which we sort of got a gist of when we were talking about it. The previews. I'm like there's going to be a dark thing here isn't there. There's going to be a dark thing. There's yeah. got to be a dark thing. There's a secret here. That we don't want to know about. My prediction was that. I'm my the moment she showed the gems, I was like, I wonder if those are them. <laughs> I wonder if the, these gems are like because I my I was convinced like within the first two episodes, I bet eventually she these these people have to be sacrificed or something like that. Um, and I think with the moment that she talked to the shop owner and she was like, "Oh, my replacement's coming," and he's like, "Oh, is that time already?" 
Yeah, <laughs> she's done for. But again, they've kind of played it out that this is this pilgrimage they have to go on. And they don't really have any information on what the what happens. The only threat right now they have is that during that trip and that pilgrimage, because soft spoilers here, when they reach a certain age, it's like these they wear these collars because they reach a certain age and the ma- the magic that they have gets imbued into the collar. And then when they reach a certain age, um, they go on this pilgrimage. So there's a lot of people all throughout this area that want to find these people on that pilgrimage because they want to capture them, cut their head offs, and take that collar because it's worth a lot of money. Uh, which, again, I would probably assume is probably because, again, that magic probably imbues into the crystals or something like that. So it's a lot of money there. Uh, so, yeah, there's a lot of stories of just people being captured and just lopping their heads off, taking the collars. So, yeah, it's 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 probably going to get dark. <laughs> Which sucks because Jess is so pure. <laughs> it sucks that Jess is so pure. Uh, she does not deserve to be in this world. Uh, it's, it seems like so far we've only really technically met two of them and some backstory on some of them. But it's like these these poor these poor girls are just not in a happy world. But anyways, that's um that's it's been great so far. I've, this is actually up there is what are they saying third favorite of the season? It's up in a top five probably easily. Like I am I'm loving it. I think the chemistry is fantastic. I will admit that with the recent episodes getting a lot more heavy on the backstory and the and the tragedies of the world itself, it's sort of getting me it's getting me intrigued, but at the same time I'm missing the chemistry between Pig and Jess. <laughs> it's like it it hooked me with that chemistry, but now we're getting the backstory stuff and I'm like, I kinda wanna go back. But we'll see. Let's put a reba. I'm liking it. What else? Uh Returner's magic is uh should be special. Did you, I'm assuming didn't you didn't do that, that last week. I don't know. Did I? I thought I just oh, I talked to you, you on the side. It. I think oh, I talked you to did. you on the side of it. No, uh, I haven't watched it, but I am definitely interested in it. After you, what? You yeah, told I me. think I, I think I told Chris on the sideline a little bit about this one, and I was like, I, because this kind of kind of conversation with me and Chris and this idea that this is one of those seasons where there's always these little, there's a lot of these shows where it's like there's potential there, but I don't think this one possibly will get far enough. It's kind of one of those ones that have has potential, but I'm not sure if it can get really anywhere uh returner's magic should be special is a series that is gonna be running for 12 episodes done by arvo's animation web manga is the source action adventure fantasy uh it opens up with desir and desir is along with many other heroes that have finally defeated the evil dragon that was threatening the entire world they have defeated all the bad guys of the world and including the dragon as they're all kind of chilling and going you know thinking about their fellow heroes that have all passed away before them uh, they're kind of just shooting the breeze and talking and eventually the dragon behind them, the corpse starts glowing and yeah, the heart inside of it is this massive peel of mana and it just explodes and destroys them all. <laughs> it's like, it's like the ending of like the final fantasy realm reborn. It's like that whole moment. Everybody's like, ah, crap. We all did. <laughs> and oh yeah, by the way, reset. Yeah. It jumps back in time to when, uh, Desura was just going to this academy where he was going to be trained to become an adventurer or a fighter or whatever. And yeah, he quickly realizes, oh crap, I just went back in time to the orientation of my school days. And so he makes it a point at that moment that now that he's realized where he's at, that he is going to essentially find everybody he's fought alongside and essentially instill upon them the desire to keep getting stronger. Like, their example, their early example is that they have this, like, 
initial test they did where each of these groups kind of went into these different like shadow portals into another world, like a VR, basically VR setup. And in this alternate world where they do their training at, they had this like everybody knows this zest lady. She's like the best of the best. And she quickly is in the front of the line and she's making it all the way to the end. He goes in there and he's immediately attacked by a couple people, assuming that he's just a commoner. He's going to get beat really easily. Let's just take him out from some extra points. He has the ability to um, reverse spells, if I remember correctly. Like he just he like breaks spells essentially, and he can he can sort hacks into them basically. And he quickly starts using his ability to kind of throw people off, and eventually beats uh, Romantica, who turns out to be somebody that he was in love with in his previous life or the previous existence. And he quickly goes to the front of the uh, the battlefield to stop Azest. And again, his whole point was that everybody assumed that he was talentless. This is a guy that his ability is just to, like, break spells or something like that. He's not that powerful. He's a commoner. And he basically beats everybody in order to show them that they can still get better. And that seems to be what it's, it's doing so far. Is it's him just finding different people and showing them, correcting their paths away from either assuming they're the best and so they don't need to get stronger or keeping them from going down paths that can stump their growth, which for like with Romantica, again, somebody that he actually loved at some point when she's in the Academy, she gets won over by a noble, a nobleman that nobleman invites her into their group so that she can be a part of an alpha group. She was made a commoner and she's in a beta group, which is kind of like the whole irregular magic high. You had the, was the Leafs, which were like the nobles, the good, the the powerful people, the the upstarts, and then you had the commoners, basically, um, which I forget what they were called. It's kind of like that. There's a, it's a two class system: nobles and commoners, basically, which is alphas and the betas. Well, she was going to get invited to an alpha group, despite the fact that she was assigned beta because she's technically supposed to be a noble. And so there's a lot of things behind the scene where you see that the political systems are in play for placement in the school itself. Even if you are, with her, she's a noble. But it was a title that was gained through her father's successes. So the school itself knew that. They made her a beta, even though she's a, a nobleman. So yeah, she made the wrong decision of joining this other party to be a part of the Alpha, which eventually led to her running into some problems later on. So he basically blackmails her into not going by saying, I'll reveal the fact that your father gained that title and you're not necessarily, you know, you're not necessarily a full noble. And so he kind of forces her to have to join his party. And he wants to rise up with them to get alpha rank, even though, again, they're commoners. So that's been the story so far. We got into Prom, who was another person that he had met at some point, which was like a very skilled uh, fencer, uh, helped Prom get over some difficulties of their father and this weapon that he was left behind for him. And that's been the story so far. Yeah, like I said before, I, I'm of two minds of this one. Like, initial... Initial thoughts of the story, I was like, okay, another uh, essentially reincarnations type story. I get another shot. Let me try it again or rebirth and see if I can do it better this time type of story. But on the interesting idea that it is a story that is it's the hero story. I, I, I played my part as a part of the hero party, took down the big boss, and we died. Now I get to start again. And then you have that little brief moment of him going... Yeah, I remember when Romantica died in my arms, bled out in my arms, and now she here, here she is in front of me. And here is this other person who fight along, fought alongside me, and maybe I can help her get stronger by, 
you know, rubbing her face in the dirt really quickly and showing her that she has room to grow. Um, so there's like these, each of these stories that it's telling is technically intriguing in the idea of if you had another shot, what would you do different in order to improve people around you? It's not turning into don't make these mistakes. It's turning into how do I show them they're making a mistake before they become too weak and thus can't survive what's to come. I like that aspect. The negatives that I really have for this series is that's a long story. <laughs> and I don't see this going anywhere beyond 12 episodes. And I'm already kind of feeling like, okay, so this story is just going to be the, the school arc. I mean, what else is the story? Is this going to actually get far enough in the story to be worth a dang? I might actually look into the web manga to see how fast they're burning through stuff and how much content there is for it. But again, this is supposed to supposedly be a full a full life story. He was he was very old when they got to the point where they were going out. Well, I would probably assume like 25 when they went out to fight the big dragons or whatever. But right now they're in their teens or whatever. But I would assume that it's going to be a long story building up to that moment. They finally get into this big war again and eventually fight this big dragon again and see if they can, I don't know, poke a hole in the heart and let it fizz out some some mana before they kill him or something. I don't know. I don't feel this writer does well in executing the trauma that this guy should be facing. Like when he first meets Romantica, again, this is somebody that he loved. And there's this immediate moment of like, oh yeah, and he suddenly has that flashback of her bleeding out in his arms and dying. And he's like, here she is in front of me. Okay. That's it. Like, it's like, like, we're not, we're not really, this isn't trying to get into like the trauma of I'm now standing next to the person that I loved that was dead for a long time. And now they're alive in front of me and you don't have any sort of struggles there. You're not thinking about this at all anymore. We're just like, all right, cool. Peace. Let's all have a party together. Let's make a party and become alphas together. It, he just doesn't really spend much time thinking about these things. And you would think that he spend more time thinking about it. I guess you can give that to, you can credit that to the idea that this is a guy that's like, okay, no time to mess around. I got to get them stronger. I don't care about sitting here constantly struggling over the fact that I'm literally standing by somebody that should be dead. Um, this isn't trying to say something deep, I guess is the, is the best way to put it. Even though there could be some deep subjects here. I think it's more focused on get the band together and get them beefed up. That's really it. So, and for that, again, I don't know. I don't know that it's going to go very far, but we'll see. I, I think I'm already like, I don't know, four or five episodes in and all they've done so far is Romantica's gotten better. Prom's gotten their gusto with their sword and he's formed a party and they're going to go do the tournament where they'll probably beat all the alphas and then the school won't give them the alpha title. Like they didn't eventually. <laughs> like Dester was like super powerful, but they're like, no, nope, we're not giving you an alpha title. Romantica is supposed to be noble by title, but they're not going to give you a bad title. You're, you're, you're a commoner still, too. So, yeah, there you go. That's, um, Returner's Magic should be special. I, I like it. It's just, I don't, I think it could be better, and I don't know how far it's going to go. I guess is the best way to put it. So, there you go. All right, Chris, it is time. We talked about the lesser one. It's time to talk about the, um, the more -er one. What, what's, what's the reverse of the lesser one? The more, the, Wow, I've never actually thought about that. What's the reverse to a lesser? Greater. greater. The greater one. Sorry. Greater. Yeah. Sorry. 
<laughs> yeah, so 100 girlfriends who... That's all right. Really, I, for some really, odd reason, really, you were really messing me up, and I decided to say, get ready to say gooder one. And uh, Gooder one. one. I like that better. That actually sounds cooler. I like the gooder one. Well, we talked about the lesser one. Let's talk about the gooder one. 100 girlfriends who really, 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 really love you. I have to actually count it out on my hand every time because I don't want to mistakenly put only four or something. But yeah, this one, it, where is it? I literally talk about it every week, so I should have it in my outline. There it is. I somehow skipped past it. But yeah, this one is Kimi no Koto ga dai 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 ski na 100 in no Kanojo. This one is being done by Bibbury Studio Animation Studio, based on a manga. Comedy slice of life is the genre, and it follows Rentoro Aijo. And Rentoro has just gotten done being rejected for the hundredth time as he tries to basically get a girlfriend, and she rejects him. And at some point, he goes to this like shrine where he kind of prays to the shrine and says, "I mean, what's going on? Why can't I have a girlfriend?" And Kamisama appears, and he says, "What's up, dude?" Uh, everybody has a soulmate. It's just sometimes it takes longer for some to get theirs. But every, well, not everybody, but most everybody has a soulmate. And you'll know when you, when you'll know when the moment happens. Uh, they they kind of mention the idea that women typically always like immediately know, whereas men it takes a while before it clicks for them. But he's like, yeah, you got one coming. Don't worry. And then later on, yeah, he goes to school and he ends up bumping into two girls, um, Hakari and Karane, and immediately zap noise, zap noise happens. Girls even have zappies happen. They've they've figured out. Rentero, Hakari, Karane, there's well, he's soulmates to both of them. They're not soulmates to each other. I mean, that, I can go with that though. But yeah, they immediately know. And these two girls are like quickly trying to make their moves on him. And he's he's all for it. He's like, wow, finally somebody likes me. <laughs> After a hundred girls rejected me. Uh, yeah, he at some point he goes back to that shrine again and come to find out the Kamisama is like, oh yeah. You have a hundred soulmates. Yeah, I, I remember. I was I was filling out your form like I do all the forms, and we have, we have this one little spot where you have to enter in how many soulmates, which I don't know why it doesn't have just one by default. But no, they actually have to write in there one every time. He actually wrote a hundred while he's watching a TV show, and so he's got a hundred soulmates coming. Which, yeah, I mean, is not so bad. Um, but the problem is that if he don't return your love to a soulmate bad things will happen. Tragedy will befall them. Mainly they die. So <laughs> Rentero is going to have a hundred soulmates and he can't reject any of them because if he does, they will die. And so he realized really quickly, okay, I was going to just like choose one of these two, but now I have to have them both. I could say I don't love either of you. And then secretly behind their backs, say they love the other one in secret. But he's like, no, I, I want to be honest. So he tells them two of them, can I be, can you both be my girlfriends? And they, in their own way, each accept it. Hakari's like, yeah, as long as I can be with you. And Karane's like, okay, I, I guess I'll be with you, but it's not going to be because I like you or anything. Papaka. No, they all love him. So, yeah. And then eventually he meets this girl in the library. She's Suzuka, who has a problem with uh, speaking verbally. And he makes this nice little cute little app. Or he turns her favorite book that she points into to talk into an e-reader, hand types the whole book into an e-reader and then adds a, and it has a text-to-speech thing in there to help her out. And then she says that she loves him and he takes her into the party. And then we had Nano, we had AI. He showed an AI how to love, which is this Nano AI who is this girl that just is 
her whole focus is on like efficiency and anything that can't be calculated or defined is worthless in the world. So I don't need love. And then eventually he shows her that you can gain value through these experiences and that it's something that she wants. And then she brought it. So thoughts. Absolutely love this show. Um, this was, this is <laughs> basically my show that is making me laugh just so hard episode by episode. And I have just been loving it. I, I can't, I, I don't want to miss an episode of the show. It's just too goofy. Um, Truth be told, the last episode wasn't as funny as the other ones, but it was still a really fantastic episode. Really liked it. Um, but yeah, it, yeah, absolutely enjoying it. You can't say that you didn't like the science lab scene. Uh, why are you trying? She <laughs> yeah, just copies I, I, the textbook. I, I said it was funny. I just it wasn't as funny as the other two, <laughs> the other three episodes or whatever. And then she disinfects his finger. <laughs> she disinfecting the finger. Yeah. Why? Why would you have to bother? You could just. T- use a telescope on the book and then the, <laughs> literally Karana is behind them going it's not like I'm looking at these cells because I I want to <laughs> she literally gets Sundetti on the cells that they're looking at on her microphone or microscope um it was hilarious I loved it um I thought it was I, I think I've loved every episode I think I think the only points that I have not liked this show has been these brief moments where he over explains a game they're gonna play together like the old maiden or talking about the whole blindfold method that he wanted to do for the first kiss. There's like these moments where it's like, it just goes this long explanation about what they're going to do and they do it. And then shenanigans happens. And it's like, you know, please don't spend so much time explaining. Just, just have fun. I don't care about how the game is played. Just play the game. Uh, we just want to see him fall on, uh, you know, Hakari in a, an appropriate way. Or a cat goes crazy with, you know, the straps on Kanane's Ponsu. I don't care about how the game is supposed to be played. Uh, just get to the edge, you damn it. <laughs> uh, no, I I have been loving this show like through and through. Like I said, besides those little brief moments, like everything else around it has been fantastic. And like I said before, and I hate to make the comparison, I do really feel like a lot of this is what I got out of Girlfriend Girlfriend initially that I unfortunately kind of lost interest in girlfriend girlfriend this one kind of just keeps doing things that really do surprise me its initial setup is the idea of the protagonist that wants it that's great the same with girlfriend girlfriend it's a protagonist that says yes i want this but with this situation it is the idea that there is a mechanic in play that is forcing it to have to happen um forcing him to have to not turn away in, in any other situation, like with with no no AI, he confronts her and says, um, "Hey, you want to go out together? You want to go do something together? Hey, I want to I want to get to know you better." And she immediately says, "It's it's illogical. There's no point to it. You're wasting my time. I need to focus on my studies." Well, no, we'll have fun. Let's go out together. Let's go do something. No, I don't want to. I don't have anything to do with what you're you're saying because what you're saying is going to take my attention away from something I need to do. There is an element there of. If I don't get with her, if she rejects me, she could die. But through the process of interacting with them, there is that moment where both sides realize that they love each other. That's like with Shizuka. Initially, it is, okay, that zap happens. Oh, well, I needed this. And she goes out of her way for him, and he likes that. But then over time, they're getting to know each other through the book that she loves so much, eventually culminating to him doing something really cool for her that ends up making him... It makes sense why these girls like Rintero. That's like there's there's that initial zap that is 
This is my soulmate. There's that initial grab. But it always culminates into something where Rintaro does something that wins them over and solidifies that he is the one for them. And it's in those those moments that this story kind of hits it. I think, yes, on the surface level, this is an etchy, harem, goofy, shenanigan comedy. But underneath there, there is actually, like, actual thought process being put to this. This is one of those rare cases of a harem show that has, like, a punch to it. I think Shizuka is a prime example of that. My heart breaks for the girl. It is the trope character that can't speak. The one that, you know... <laughs> types something out or writes it down on a piece of paper because they can't speak. There's that, that type of cute character, the t overly timid type. But there's a story reason. How her mother hates her, thinks she's broken. She's constantly bullied for it. She's isolated. She feels like she's never going to be that, even though Rintaro is finally that one that talked to her that she kind of likes, she can never be with them because he already has somebody. And seeing how, he get, again, he goes out of his way in order to help her is great. With the next episode, where we have this opening where Shizuka is not, not getting out there. Like, they have this whole game where, you know, the old main game. And whoever loses gets tickled. Or whoever wins gets to tickle somebody. And so Rinto was doing it as a way for them to get together and, and to open up to each other. But Shizuka wins. And she goes over there and she kind of just lightly taps him. And this upsets Karane. She's like, why are you acting so... T why are you acting like you're outside of it? Why don't you go and get him? You're, act you're, you're holding yourself back for us. Well, you were here first. Don't do that. Rentro comes back. Get back over there. Rentro, that didn't count. She's going to took you for real this time. <laughs> it was really cute. This like moment of Karane seeming like she's angry at Sijika because she's so timid, not, not becoming a part of the group, the harem. Um, it's Karane calling her out. But then what's cool that happens at the end of it is Hakare goes, oh, that sounds pretty hypocritical coming from you who Kanane is legit the Sundetic character, so she never says what she really feels. And so it gets into a technically a subject about the idea of that hypocrisy and not actually saying what you really want. Again, it's like, it's a goofy, dumb, etchy comedy that's really well done in that regard. But underneath there, there's actually good writing. <laughs> it's like it's got good writing underneath there that I actually really love. It's the same thing with Nano AI. It is how do you show somebody who only sees value in things that are calculative or defined. Okay, I have this camera. Well, that camera's illogical. It's an Insta camera. It's a Polaroid camera. You, the moment you lose that Polaroid, you've lost the memory. You should use digital so you can back it up. Oh, don't worry about it. By the end of the, by the, end of the whole date, he literally takes them out. Yeah, they're great, but it doesn't matter anyways. It doesn't mean anything. Okay, I guess I can burn these. Wait, now you suddenly want them. So you did gain something out of this. Again, it's, it's, it's kind of cool little writing in there that kind of shows there's something more than just being the soulless doll, the Sundere, the overly timid, quiet girl. There's, there's something underneath there that I think is really creative. So that's why I love it. Wasn't it a karmic uh, retribution for not accepting and that, and that would uh, take away all of your luck and you could possibly die? Not necessarily that you will die. I don't know. You said it, which means dead. <laughs> I, I, I seem to remember at some point he said, which basically means death. I don't know. Maybe they translate it wrong. But yeah, I'm, I'm loving it. So, Oh yeah, by the way, Karane, best girl. I, I said in my last video, currently I'm standing at Karane number one, Shizuka number two. Uh, I, I think I'm fighting, but I think Nano AI would go three, and then Hakare is four, even though Hakare is thick, and I like thick. 
And plus, she has a mole on her back thigh, <laughs> which is nice. Your ra- What's your ranking, Chris? Shizuka. Don't, lo- don't look away. Just Shizuka. Shizuka. That's it. That's why you didn't like the I last like episode, because Shizuka so. did nothing but say that you're carrying a burden of a, of a heavy cross to Kanane as she's seeing Sundere to the cells. Hakari's like, you're getting way too into that. And then Shizuka's over there hitting her little Texas speech. You are carrying a heavy cross. Uh, what else? I shall survive using potions. <sighs> we haven't talked about this one yet. It's win. Go watch it. Yeah. Oh, Andrew! Andrew is making the sighing noise. It's a sigh of disappointment. Oh, I shall survive using potions. Run on Crunchyroll for twelve episodes. Light novels, the source uh, studio is Jumondo, and yes, this is by the creator Funa, who's known for doing. Didn't I say to make my uh, abilities average in the next life, as well as saving eighty thousand gold in another world? Uh, this series opens up with a office worker who was like honest, like at a corner street. And, like, some weird anomaly thing happened, and this god basically blasted her along with it. Like, a total accident. And this god's like, yeah, well, there's, like, these rift things that we have to fix every now and then, and you kind of got, you were, I, I goofed up. I, I, I roasted you. I'm sorry. That wasn't supposed to happen. How can I make it up to you? I'm going to send you to this other world. Um, this Celestine, this goddess of that world, is going to take care of you. We're going to get you all set up. And then she... Oh, yeah, I'll let you say goodbye to your family and your friends, too. So she gets to go say goodbye to her family and friends and, and their dreams and whatnot. And then eventually, uh, yeah, was it the sister or something? The family was basically like, okay, but they made a big mistake. So you make sure you tell them they owe you. You get everything you can out of them. <laughs> I love that whole aspect of, like, this idea of, like, literally she's dying and going to the world. And everybody's like... It's good. You're going to be good. Everybody's not even crying. They're just like, you You go have fun. You you, you take care. No, the friends were crying. Yeah, the friends was. The family wasn't. The family was just like, you just make sure that you 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 get as much compensation as you can out of them gods. And she has, sure enough, she gets transported to this other god, or give, given off to this, uh, this goddess, Celestine, and she's this goddess of this other world. And she quickly says, yeah, this is a, she's like, is this a world that has fantasy and dragons and stuff like that? And she's like, yeah, it's kind of like that. She's like, okay, but I have some, I have some demands, and she lists like all these things that she wants. She wants to be like uh, younger, but her same self. She wants uh, a loot box where she could put all of her stuff in that can time stop things. Uh, she wants to be able to make potions. It is limit a limited amount of potions of any kind of device of different containers and whatnot. Like as long as I can think of a potion or a container. It'll look like I want it to look, and it'll have in it with what I abilities or whatever. When it's drunk, it does whatever abilities I want it to be drunk. So if you wanted to heal all damage to your body, she can think, I want a potion of healing all damage to body, and it appears. And she figured this would be a great option in this other world. It's going to be this other fantasy world. She'll sell these potions. She'll make a nice living. She'll never have a problem. And yeah, Celestine was like, yeah, I don't know if I could do all that. So she's like, well, I I guess I'll have to go back, talk to the the Earth admin that you really like, because she has a massive crush on the, this administrator of the Earth that was toss her over. So she's like, okay, I'll do it. I'll do it. So yeah, now Karu is living in this other world with the ability to create potions of anything that she wants. And she just travels around and helps people by healing their wounds with her potions. She's trying to sell them at first, but then everybody's like, 
the hell's a potion? No, I don't want to, I don't want your bottles. And then at some point, somebody's like gravely injured that comes in and she's like, well, get somebody to cast a heal spell. And they're like, what are you talking about? Okay, well, dig, here, give it to me. And then she's like, just pours the potion in their mouth and everybody's like, wait, what is that thing you just use? It, come to find out, this isn't a world that has like casters and stuff like that. It's not that kind of fantasy world. And she assumed that this is a world that was full of magic and crazy potions and stuff like that. They don't even understand the concept of magic. So, yeah, she she runs a lot of situation where this Celestine goddess kind of messed, you know, screwed her over and just misinformed her. So, yeah, she travels around and uses her potions and gets the attention of like every literally every king and nobleman every two seconds. And that's your, your thoughts. I love it. I, I, I said that. Uh, it, so what about it? Give us, give us deets, Chris. You're, I, you're going crazy about this. I'm going to have to go get a little negative, so I want you to at least set up something besides I love it. I really like the... the uh, Kaoru is absolutely a goofball. I really love her kind of devious nature. She she absolutely fits right in with uh, uh, 80,000 80, gold. The, this kind of character who's just constantly... Uh, conniving and figuring out little uh details to handle things and then at the same time you've got all these characters who are constantly fawning over her and then she's like no i i don't want this and and she like lays down the law half the time i just love her personality she is just a goofball Lay down um, the laws where she leaves the town she just leaves the town just to not no i done do, with I y'all do like, i do what she, i do like what she did recently and the idea that she kind of just sat everybody down and said Look, uh, you're hearing a lot about the fact that I'm, like, an angel. I'm not. I know Celestine, we're friends, but I'm not an angel. And I can't, I, it's, it, I have no power. And legit, I can't go, I can't step foot in the castles, I'm forbidden to. I can't step in the temples, I'm forbidden to. And I, do, I don't, I don't answer for her, and I don't, I don't relay messages to her. And so it's like, everybody's constantly going, I have a question. She's like, yeah, sure. And they're like, well, you're an angel, right? Or can you can you get, grant us a blessing or whatever? And she's like, no, I'm a commoner. I can't do anything for you guys. And so every time they ask her something, she's like, no, I can't do anything. What else? <laughs> um, I did I did like that whole aspect because it did a good job of kind of, yes, there was also the other, other aspect to it that she was saying. And I was told by Celestine, if you force me or if you do come to harm me or try to badger me for favor she will lay down like retribution. And how she portrays this is by dropping or creating a potion of, she says something, it was like, is labeled as like something like a nitroglycerin or something like that. Yeah. And it blows up a wagon. <laughs> like that is divine punishment. And then she cracks a joke by saying, oh yeah, by the way, this statue, that's not what Celestine looks like. That chest is way too big. And then she creates a bucket that lands on her head. Um, it was a cool little way of her kind of showing, I don't want to be a part of your politics. Um, but I can't keep there was it gets into my problem I have with the show. I, I yeah, I I'm back and forth with this writer a lot. Did I say to make my Billy's average in the next life? I shrugged that show. It was an absolute shrug for me. I didn't find it interesting. Characters were cute, but it wasn't fun for me. I, I kind of want to go back and rewatch it because I loved there's the other work that they got adapted, which was 80,000 gold. 80,000 gold for my retirement was amazing. I love the main character. She was so sassy. It was such a fun show. She was a very selfish but not selfish girl. She had her goals. She's like, I'm going to build this. I'm going to exploit both these worlds and make my money. It was super clever. 
But that show did have a flaw in the idea that it constantly relied on her constantly getting the attention of somebody that's super special. And then by some random chance, the king would just pop in the door for some reason. And like the king has all the time in the world to keep dropping by her shop every two seconds. They kept involving big figured characters, kept getting the king, kept getting the big nobles involved every two seconds. Come to this show. And, but it was still an amazing show. Come to this show. I see that same formula that they did really well in saving 80,000 gold, but they're killing it with this one by just, just beating it to death. And the idea that she constantly, every episode, she's at some point in front of the king or of one nation or another nation or in front of the, the count or countess. She's always constantly getting involved with the big higher ups, even though she keeps saying, I want to keep away from them. She just keeps getting involved. So I did like that scene and the idea that it was finally her saying, I keep going from place to place and I keep getting involved with the big kings and whatnot. And now I'm going to tell them straight up, I just don't want to have anything to do with you guys. And here's why you should leave me alone. That said, it still finds itself constantly being confronted by the same individuals. Like in a recent episode, the stupid king from another nation somehow infiltrated this kingdom to come get her, which is really bad. But he just is obsessed with her. And I'm like, here he is again. Let that die. That joke is dumb and it's still not funny. This show is great whenever it is ground level. When it's just her with the people. The whole thing with the goddess, uh, the shadow goddess, whatever, the, I forget what it is. Like the, She's this masked figure that goes around the night and saves the poor children. And she has literally all these poor children that are working for her, that she saved their lives and, and basically feeding them and giving them a place to stay. They're her information network. And she's going around secretly and saving lives. That's fun stuff. Her being caught by some random people on the side of the road and she gives a bunch of potions out and claims that she's this goddess that sleeps on this bed in the middle of nowhere because she stole the bed from a nobleman. <laughs> she's... She... <laughs> She was stuck in a bedroom, and so she literally put the entire bedroom's furniture into her pocket uh, storage. And then later on, she pops out the bed in the middle of the forest and sleeps in it, so they all think she's a goddess. Um, those moments are fun. When it's just down here, but too often does it go immediately to somebody catches the attention, or she catches somebody's attention, she ends up before a king, and then she calls them all out for how terrible they are, and then they let her walk out the room. That's literally like it, it's done that so many times and getting sick of it. It's like every episode we have to have her go before the noblemen's or before the king and tell them how terrible they are and disappear. But it doesn't take away from the fact that I do like her personality. And I think that's just this writer. Funa is a great writer in female characters that just have spunk. They like to point their middle finger at anybody and say, go away. They have that spunk. They have that desire. They have that selfishness in them. But they always have a heart as well. They're always willing to help out somebody if they need it. They they prioritize the lowers before the hires. Um, that's always been the fun part. I just feel like, again, this writer has a knack for just getting, getting too many important people involved. And it gets tiresome. It gets repetitive. So I'm very mixed on the show, honestly. So if you haven't guessed... That's it. That's say, that's I. I was gonna say saving saving eighty thousand potions in another world for my retirement. Uh, she could do that. She's technically doing that now. 
Tear Moon Empire. We haven't talked about this one either, Chris. Gosh, talk about another spunky main character. Where is the season of spunky main characters? Desuwa. Desuwa. This is my Desuwa show. You said there's like four of them. Tear Moon Empire there or Tear Moon Seikoku Monogatari Dantai Dantorai Kara Hajimaru. This one is running for 12 episodes on Crunchyroll. Studio is Silverlink. The source is a light novel. Drama, fantasy, romance are the genres. And yeah, this one opens up with Mia Tirmoon. And she has been imprisoned by her kingdom for three years. Now at the age of 20, she's brought before everybody. Angry mobs of people. The princess of this kingdom. Actually, technically, I think she was the queen at that point. It was the princess, yeah. The princess of the kingdom has been... She's going to get executed. She They put her on her guillotine, chop her head off. And then she wakes up in her 12-year-old body. Eight years in the past. And she's like, well, that was a bad dream. And then she finds her book next to her, her diary, which is covered in blood. And she realizes the book is full of all the days that have transpired from here until her execution when she was 20 years old. And so, yeah, she goes about her life. <laughs> she's like, oh, that sucks. Um, goes about her life like, okay, I'm going to make sure that I avoid certain things, making certain people mad. But uh, goes back to her daily routine. But then quickly kind of realizes, you know, when she goes to go eat her meal, she realizes, oh, yeah, that's right. Back when I was in jail for three years, I had to eat moldy bread and rotten tomatoes. Now I'm realizing how much effort was put into the soup that I eat. And she compliments the chef. And then she goes on with her day. And then she goes to enjoy sweets in the middle of the courtyard. And can't wait for that big cake to be brought out to her. And then her maid drops the cake. But then she realizes the maid that dropped the cake was Anna. Anna, the girl, the only person that ever came to visit her when she was in jail for three years. Anna always came over and took care of her, brushed her hair, told her stories that her sister wrote, all this kind of stuff. And so she immediately takes on pretty much under her wing that she's going to be my maid. <laughs> but she's my maid. She's my one, she's my right hand maid. Um, and yeah, it kind of goes on from there to her realizing, okay, um, I need to work on certain things to avoid certain... It kind of turns that aspect of the flags, okay? But obviously, one of the reasons why I died was because the nation was... Their finances were screwed up. So, okay, there was this Ludwig guy that was really smart with finances. So, let me go, let me go take him into, you know, my fold to make sure that he can possibly help fix the, the taxes of the nation. And we can figure that out. Uh, eventually, she goes to the school where she has to start avoiding... Yes, the prince that she was had a crush on that eventually <laughs> turned on her as well. So she wants to avoid him, even though she's suddenly getting his attention. Um, it's kind of just her trying to go about her life, not making certain people mad, which mostly means her avoiding them. Realizing how she wasn't appreciating certain things, but all the while she just wants to not die. <laughs> That's really her driving force. I just don't want to die. I'm not becoming... The nicest person ever. I'm still the selfish princess that I am. I just don't want to die. Um, that's 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 Desuwa. Tear yes. Moon Desuwa. Yeah, this is the 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 Desuwa. This was the first one that actually caught my attention as a Desuwa show, and then a couple of other ones, and then I was like, "Holy know, smokes, the, we the have OP a lot of Desuwas this it. week." Huh? The OP legit screams. It, it. screams Desuwa the entire uh, OP. Desuwa. Um, no, the I absolutely love the show. I think that it's absolutely brilliantly written. I really, really love the 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 character reflecting on the things that she's done wrong the entire time, and then showing 
how she's correcting her path as she goes. Um, like Andrea said, it, it, in in a lot of cases, it's very simple things, it, or it it can be as simple as um, uh, loving the the food that's actually prepared for you. Um, actually talking about the fact that hey, your meal uh, when when she goes in front of the um, the the finance guy, she she acknowledges that one of her meals it costs like three three months of salary for a for a commoner and so she's she's both reflecting on the things that she she is dealing with and at the same time appreciating things and correcting her path one of the things that andrew had kind of didn't quite go into is it after she meets the the finance person she goes and she adjusts uh the the sanitation in in the slums so that when all is said and done they don't a hospital with her brilliant necklace that she doesn't want anymore yeah (laughs) she's so kind to give up this really expensive gym i just don't want it that particular reason the reasoning why she was doing that no that's right it got stolen or something like that she knows that she was she she knew that she was going to lose it anyways yeah Somebody's going to take it from her or something like that. She's like, that's fine. I'll just get rid of it now. Again, it's like that whole idea of like everybody thinks like she'd give that up. She's so kind in her own head. She's like, I'm going to lose it anyways. (laughs) It's so funny. And and that 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 that's part and parcel in 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 one respect. She's doing it so that she can um, uh, avoid the guillotine. Because all, all over and over again, she's constantly reminding herself that I, I don't want to go to the guillotine. So that, that that leads into what Andrew was saying is that in a way it's, it is selfish, but at the same time, she's doing these really good things and she is actually reflecting and changing uh, as, a, as a character. And I really love that. The reason I brought up the sanitation is because the, this goes into this, this aspect of the finances that she had mentioned before is 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 creating a famine and the sickness is is kind of the trigger that causes the the ultimate um uh revolution that eventually happens so no i she even in the last episode she mentions that she looks back into her diary and she's still headed to the the guillotine but the you you know that all these things are slowly going to compound and eventually eventually hopefully fix the issue yeah, that was not one, spoiler. That was one oddity in the idea that the the diary itself changes, and it still kind of it it kind of shows that aspect because the the assumption there is like, well, just by sneezing, I've I've suddenly changed the future, so I might not die. Um, so it kind of just shows that aspect of her path kind of just still being stuck on that. Um, but no, I I th- I find Tear Moon Empire to be extremely extremely refreshing, and I'm super happy that this show turned out to be as good as it did. Um, I think early on pre. Uh, coming coming in this season, I wasn't like going out of my way for it. I'm like, I was just kind of hesitant because I'm like, I'm kind of getting, I'm kind of getting a villainous fi- a fatigue, and I'm gonna correct this in a minute. So don't go. Oh my gosh, it's not a villainous show. Truth be told, this is something that's playing into the same realm as what you get from your typical villainous Atome Isekai show. Where a villainous Atomi Isekai show is where you have this story of this Atomi game where there is this character that is the villainous gr- woman that is so evil that everybody has to eventually rise up to destroy. And typically what happens with those stories is that a kind or neutral Japanese girl will get thrown into that world and they immediately know they're the villainous so they just they just be nice to everybody. That's the story. No, Tierman Empire is not that. Again, it's not an Atomi game. It's not an isekai, but it is the villainous. 
This is the villainous of this world. This is the nasty princess that will I eventually would, be overthrown and destroyed. I but would, what makes this so great is that why this is so great is that it's not a Japanese girl thrown into that villainous body and be kind to everybody. This is Mia Termun. This is the princess that was the villainous. This is the one that was nasty, that people overthrew and eventually killed. And now she's starting over. And yes, she knows what she did wrong. But, and she's not saying, I will now be a goody two-shoe. She's choosing when she is to be nice. She chooses when she is nice. And some, in most cases, it's not because she tries to. But she is slowly over time kind of correcting in a sense because she appreciates things now. It's like, Anna, I realized, that's right, she was kind to me. In my darkest, she was kind to me. And now I really like her. And the idea of the taxes. Yes, it's her trying to throw it back in his face by saying, yeah, that's right. When he said that to me, I wrote it down and I memorized it so that I could throw it back in his face. And she does it and goes, crap, now he thinks I'm too smart and I don't need his help. It's just her fumbling through the situation while not being the nicest person ever. She still has a nasty, rotten side inside of her that I love. Um, but she's not a horrible person. She's just slowly correcting her path. And I like that this isn't a sekai. Isn't any sekai. This is Mia Tirman's story of redemption, question mark, <laughs> which is great. I love that. And it's why it was so refreshing when I finally went to the show. And I... I love Mia's character. She absolutely sells it. I love her personality. I love her selfishness. I love her corrections every now and then. And just her, her goofiness is, is great. And love her desuas. And desuas, yes. So are you going to say something? You're trying to interrupt me while I was in my, my No, flow. I was going to say I could even make the argument that it's already uh, pretty much pointed out the, uh, the protagonist at least two or three... Um, uh, love interests so i mean yeah i was kind of thinking that tiona was sort of kind of portrayed as being the commoner that was was treated poorly because she's a commoner but she eventually literally gets the the the, the great king that you think yeah Tiramun technically loves or yeah. me loves so and now she doesn't want to have anything to do with that, that, <laughs> that prince but he won't let her go um, I also like that. I, I appreciate those moments where she finally goes like, I kind of like this. Like uh, Mia at some point, because the, the prince, this there's a lot of princes. Um, prince uh, Sunklan. Prince Sunklan goes after her and she's like, I gotta, I gotta avoid him. He's gonna ask me to go to the ball with him. I don't want to go with the ball with him because he's seen her do something really nice with the whole hospital and stuff and then helping Tiona. And she's trying to avoid him. And so she decides to, okay, there's Abel Renmo who he's like the second prince of his kingdom. And he has, like, some massive confidence issues. His brother's always been better than him. So she confronts and says, oh, we're going to go to the ball together. And then he goes with her, and he's constantly thinking that she's, you know, tricking him or something like that. But at some point, they're sitting down together, and she's like, I actually like how he treats me like I'm not a princess. I like this. Again, it's like those little moments where it's like, oh. And in the midst of her trying to avoid a nuisance and avoid possible flags... She just discovers something that she actually likes. Um, it was really sweet, so, yeah. And at the same time, they have the whole kidnapping happening in the background, and that blows up into something bigger. But yeah, it's been a, it's been a joy. I, I This is... Was this third? This might have been third. Either this one or Pig was third. It's somewhere in the... It's, in, again, another top five. Tierman, another top five for me um, of the season so far, so...
Yeah. Uh, Idol Master Million Lives. I'm not going to talk too much about this one. I kind of half conscious went through the first two episodes. It's I'm I'm probably going to rewatch it at some point and go through it. About the only thing that it kind of opens up to is Mirai, who's a super ganky girl. She runs into Shizuka, who is this other girl who likes to be wants to be an idol, but knows that her father won't let her. And then there's a Subasa girl who was brought there by the producer, and she's super ganky and constantly thinks the producer is dating him or dating her. And then they eventually become a part of an idol group, which is uh, like 35 members idol group. And that's got me worried because it might have too many character syndrome. But I don't know. It might be more focused on the first three, which again is those three individuals. But it's fine so far. But the only positive I can give is I think Subasa is a blast. I think her constantly <laughs> saying that they're going on a date, and he's like, "Dude, don't don't get the wrong idea here." Um, she's a lot of fun. I'm I'm glad that Suzuka is not your trope, long black hair girl that is overly serious and thinks everybody doesn't take it seriously. Um, and then Mirai is just kind of generic so far. So I don't know. It it might turn into something good, but so far it's been pretty standard. But I, again, I haven't given it too much attention, and it's CGI too. That's the other problem. But it's Idol Master, so I'm certain. I'm certain eventually I'll like it. Stardust Telepath. Did you get a chance to watch that one? Um, I'm behind two episodes, I believe. I think I am too. I got to the point where they were trying to recruit the engineer so they can make yes, the rocket. That's what I watched. And she kept, and she eventually challenged her to something. If I remember correctly, challenged her to a rocket shooting. Rocket duel. shooting. That's right. Rocket shooting because they like rocket shooting. Uh, but yeah, this is uh Yuri Rockets. Uh, essentially, follows uh you. Aki- no, it doesn't follow her. It follows Yumika Konohashi, and Yumika is somebody that feels like she's an outsider in the world. Like she is an alien amongst humans because she can't communicate. She has trouble speaking and she thought to herself, or she, she thought about it for a while because she can't talk to people, uh, thought about it for a while thinking like, who could understand me? Who could I talk to? Who could I communicate to? And then she finally finds out about aliens and oh yeah, aliens, they can talk telepathy, you know, you know, through telepathy. That sounds great. That sounds like the people I want to be with. So she kind of dreams for the moment that she can leave earth and go be with the aliens. Well, her wish comes true because this girl named Yu Akiuchi uh, shows up and she claims that she's an alien and that she crash landed there, forgot her mission, but she's going to hang out in the in, on the earth for a while until she can eventually figure out how to get back off of earth or finish her mission, what figure out what her mission is. And she quickly kind of is drawn to Umika and can read her mind because if she presses her forehead to Umika, she claims that she can read her mind. And Umika likes this. It eventually kind of opens up to you because you is the first one to actually talk to her. Tells you all of her dreams and desires, and that makes you really happy. So she takes her back to her lair, which is a lighthouse, and tells her about the fact that she's stuck there and she's an alien that she needs to find her mission. And then Umika, in order to help her, decides to figure out a way to make a spaceship. Like, okay, I'll help her get back to space. So she Google searches how to make a rocket, and that didn't help. (laughs) What was the joke that she made? It was like, I, I searched how to make a rocket and um, the, the results the results of how I could do it was zero or something like that. I forget. It was a funny little joke. I forgot about it. it was, I, I killed it. But yeah, she she figures out, okay, well, let's try let's try with bottle rockets for now. So they start, you know, shooting off little bottle rockets for now. And hopefully one day they'll build a big one. And that's why they got the engineer. So, because they're going to make like better rockets. Yeah. So your thoughts on it so far? Oh, yeah, there was also Haruna, who she just loves 
everything. She's just pure and wants aliens to come to Earth so they can find the beauties of the world. She's like the counter to Umika. And she gets really excited about things. <laughs> she gets really excited about things. Um, yeah, absolutely adorable show. Um, really, really heartwarming in a lot of cases. Um, most of the most of the situations, usually involving Umika, kind of trying to come out of her shell in some way, shape, or form. And then her friends just... She's the just, bochi of the season. She's the, bochi yeah. de- she's the Hattori bochi of the season. And then everybody else just kind of coming uh, behind and, you know, grabbing her hand and, and just pushing her a little bit to 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 just get get past whatever little block that she has in that particular situation so it's absolutely just just a sugar show i absolutely love it uh them shooting off all them little rockets is absolutely adorable so yeah i love it them shooting off the rockets is absolutely adorable yes they shoot off the little rockets (laughs) it's really adorable it's adorable because they all hold the, the the controller together and they go three two one yeah, I, I think this show is initially when when they see the previews for this, I was like, yes, like the P, the PB was amazing. And I watched the first episode. and I was like, yes, it's it's hitting. It's hitting exactly why I wanted to. Second episode was fantastic. There's just so much heart here in this. Yes, it's it is the Umika is the Hitori Bochi. The joke is 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 legit what it is. This is the story of somebody who is is kind of trapped in themselves, unable to open up to other people. And struggling with that. And then having this quote unquote alien show up that is super ganky and is is able to draw that out of Umika. And Umika enjoying their time speaking, or not at least speaking, or at least interacting with this other person, until eventually the point where she's afraid she's gonna lose it. And so it's forcing her to have to finally I need to talk to this person, otherwise they're going to leave me. And I like how she even wrote down this list of like this is how I'm gonna greet them and everything, and then finally in that moment to finally say it and then you just hugs her it was like good oh it's so great um it's just so heartwarming having this again that contrast of the the genki outgoing extra extrovert versus the introvert basically really love that chemistry between the two of them i will admit that yes i love that build up to bringing in haruno in haruno essentially being again that, that opposite to umika and the idea that haruno basically asked her if aliens really did exist, what would you do? And Umika said, I would go with them up into space and get away from this prison. I don't want to be here. Haruno, or at least she, th- she thinks about that. Haruno speaks out saying, well, for me, if aliens did exist, I'd want to welcome them down here to show them the beauty of the people and the places of this world. She's the opposite of Umika where she wants to bring them in to show them what's great here versus Umika not liking it here and wanting to get away. And I love that because that contrast, it shows Yumika something different. And over time, as she's with these individuals, Haruno and Yu, she's slowly opening up. She's slowly realizing, I kind of like it here. Now, yes, partly is because she thinks you might be an alien, which that's still the question mark. What's your current theory? Do you think Yumika, do you think you is an alien? I think she's a runaway. Maybe possibly amnesiac runaway, but I think she's a runaway. I mean, it's possible. I, I I haven't really thought about it either way. There was I only mean, one thing that went against it, and is the idea of, like, obviously her going, hold on, Numika, let me place my forehead upon yours, and I'll read your mind. You can read. You can read Umika. You can see that she's anxious. You can see that she's timid. You can see that she's struggling with something. You don't need to press your forehead against hers to know what she's thinking. So I think you is really good at reading people. 
But there was a mo- there was a moment here recently with I think with the whole moment where they were making the the rockets. She figured something out where I'm like I don't know how she would have known that unless she's seen her write down or seen her do something. Um, there was one assumption that you made that Umiko was thinking about that couldn't be read. So there was only one moment where I'm like, eh, maybe she might be, but I think it's gonna be an. I I think it's she's a runaway. I don't know how. But again, I, I was about to say, I don't know how she could be there and her parents not looking for her or whatever, but <laughs> it's anime. Kids kids don't have to live with their parents ever in anime. So it makes sense in that regard. But it's been super sweet. I, I I love the visual design of it. I love the character designs of itself. It's got that Yuri. It's got a Yuri twinge in there for sure. Um, and I'm, I'm liking that whole aspect as well. I just, I just, Umika is a very easy character to root for. She's an easy character to get behind and want to root for her to be happy. You want to see her smile. I will admit, I didn't really care for the last episode I watched, which was where they were trying to get um, Matataki involved with them, the engineer. I, I felt like that episode was just like a blah overall. I mean, I like the whole rocket stuff, them building them and everything like that, but that whole thing of trying to chase down Matataki was like, was very boring, so it does have me a little fearful, but I, I haven't watched any episodes after that, and I want to see where that goes before I make my decision on it, but, yeah, that's, um, I started as a telepath so far. Yeah, yep, yep. Definitely the, is it the Sugar Show of the season, or is it another show? That's what I was saying, was it probably the wasn't Sugar there Show another of the show? season? Wasn't there another sugary show? Do we not, do we not have another Sugar Show? Or is that the It? Uh, Vexation was sugary for a while, and then it went dark. It was my sugar show, and then it went dark. Uh, yeah, maybe it was. Um, I, didn't, I don't think of anything else. Uh, yeah, probably. Anyhow, uh, what else? Dr. Stone, New World. You haven't even caught up with that one, have you? Nope. I've been I, I've been enjoying it. It's it's same old Dr. Stone. Nothing to say here. Family Circumstances, you said that you watched like an episode or two. I'd only watched like an episode or two of it, too. Only a few episodes. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't remember. I was, I was mixed on. I I like the main the witch girl, uh, Elisa. She's of course because Kaguya's voice as well. Like she's doing two really crazy shows today or this season. One is Sixteen Bit Sensation, and this one. So she's she's yelling a lot right now. <laughs> she got two. Well, Elisa's not super high energy like the girl from Sixteen Bit Sensation. But yeah, it essentially opens up with Elisa, this witch that at some point finds a an abandoned child, raises that child as her own. Has to learn all the things about raising a child, which turns into a major trial for her. Uh, eventually, Viola, the the child, grows up to be like seventeen or something like that, and she's big. She's she's stacked <laughs> compared to Elisa, who this this witch is. She's like petite and small. Um, so it's that whole joke about everybody assuming that Viola is the mom because she's big and stacked, versus Alyssa, who's you know small and petite. Uh, essentially most of what I watched, which I get, I think was like two or three, I think it was the first three episodes. I think it was a three episode drop initially, um, was mostly around the idea of Viola not wanting anybody to take her mom away. Like she is massive mom complex. She'd protect mama. (laughs) Like this guy, this delivery guy shows up every now and then. She just like literally wants to kill the dude because he likes Alyssa (laughs) constantly trying to kill him. Uh, she keeps summoning things. She summoned a Phoenix. And then takes care of a plant, and then the phoenix tries to... He's uh, jealous of the plant. Yeah, he tries to, like, intimidate the plant, but then he, like, it, like turns into, like, this support thing. It was kind of weird as well. Uh, yeah, it kind of goes into the whole thing of Alyssa trying to go through raising a Viola, and 
leaning on this this mom of the the village and get her help and everything, which was was fun and cute as well. We get to meet the the sisters who show up at some point and the sisters that was pretty much. Or you mean the other witches? Yeah, they're like they're like aunts. His her aunts or sisters, or whatever. Yeah, yeah. gotcha. Great, great toe, Greco and Luna. And each one of them, they have their own uh, familiars. Yeah, they all have familiars, but Elise is the only one that doesn't. She plays because it's, you know, it's responsibility or something like that. It was a whole whole story why she doesn't do it. But now she has Viola, so she doesn't need a familiar. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. And then there was the ogre that Fennel brought to meet um, Viola. That's right. Viola decided to create a daddy, which is a goal. Oh, yeah, there was that, too. Okay, there's there's a lot of fun in this show. I just haven't I just haven't had no drive it, to watch it. it. That's, the, that's the weird thing. And again, that goes back to what we were talking about before with this idea. There's just so many shows, and it's like I don't know why, but this one I enjoyed. Now that I think back, there was a, a lot of really funny moments of the show, but at the same time, it's like one of those shows where I have no drive to go watch it. it to me, it's not. It's it's just not. I mean, I can see the the chuckles. I, I'll chuckle here and there. I, I was yeah, I can see where that's kind of funny. It, it but it's not. This one is okay. For instance, I watch uh, uh, hundred girlfriends that uh, really, really love you. Okay, now, come on, that's five, uh, the, the, huh? Five. Yeah. Um. Really, 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 really. Oh, I'm not. I ain't even gonna bother. <laughs> you with have that. to count it. Um. That's the joke, Chris. I I could watch that, and I'm 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 pretty much laughing through the entire episode. This one, I'll chuckle here. I'll chuckle there. It's cute. It's fun. It's 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 not in the same realm to me. I yes, it's cute and fun, but it's not making me laugh like crazy. So if I'm if I'm if I'm going to go for a show that's going to uh, be funny this this season, it's Hundred Girlfriends. This one is not. It, yeah, I like it just fine. It's not done anything that's irritated me I, outside of the weird worm thing that they that she did against Fennel for whatever reason um, because she really hates Fennel. Um, but yeah, it's, he tried to, she tried to poison him so many times. <laughs> she literally learned how to make poison to kill him. She really doesn't want I mean, there is, there is He's aspects of it that dude. I, I mean, like so I'm bad. actually having more fun talking about it with Andrew than I am actually right. watching the show. I mean, that was, that was a point that I was going to make. And it's like, I, I, if I think about it, it's like, yeah, I remember all these funny parts of it, but, and I, and I attribute to the idea of not not having enough time to or enough time or drive to go out of my way for it. But there is an aspect to realize that yes, technically I just listed off all the funny parts. Yeah. The rest of it was, I did like the stuff around Lyra and again, them struggling with raising uh, yeah. Viola. That was, absolutely that was adorable. really sweet. Alyssa, what she went through in order to raise Viola. This is an experience she's never done before. Raising a child is, is something she's never done before. A uh, surprising, I know. Um, a, a main character, female character that does not had pregnancy but has a child. Shocker, I know. Uh, but no, there. Besides that wholesome moment and those moments that I've listed out, that's again three or four episodes. The rest of it was kind of the same jokes being used a lot and a lot of repeated jokes yes, and a repeat lot of is, repeats a lot of jokes, a lot of stale moments. So that's the problem. It's a full length show and a lot of it is kind of dry. So that is technically a good point to be made so yeah anything else no family circumstances of 
the mismatched uh, witches. I should have said that to begin with. I don't think I did. Final show. Chris, are you ready for the final show? I haven't watched it. No! <laughs> Why not? It's the bestest Edge Boy Edge show of the season. It's is literally... It? Is, it, li- is it really worth is... me going and, wa- and, 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 and watching it? Leonis? Because I thought about it. I thought about it a couple times. Leonis is a demon lord. Is he Darth Arth? He's Arthas. He's XX. like he, he's, he. The opening scene of the show. He's literally eyes on gold. He's the skeleton dude. He's got a, a cute maid and a crazy wolf dude. That's you know his guards, and he wants to nuke everybody. But then they say you can't. You gotta go. Re- you gotta go reincarnate yourself. Uh, but no, demon. The demon ma- sword master of Excalibur Academy co- opens up again with Leonis, who is a demon lord. At some point, the the heroes of the world are going around and destroying all the bad guys. All the demon lords are being taken out, or dark lords are being taken out. And he's like the last one. And at some point, as they're coming to him to destroy him, at first he was going to go out and start fighting them because he notices like some this, this dude outside that was like a sage or something like that that is turning on him now and joining the heroes. Uh, but they're like, no, you, you can't. you got to fulfill your promise. He made a promise with somebody a long time ago that he was going to essentially be on the lookout for this female that will eventually be the vessel for her to return or something like that, or at least her power to return. And so he got, he's got to survive. So he goes and does this reincarnation spell to be revived a thousand years later. And at some point he wakes up inside this gym that he's being reincarnated in. It's a little bit early, but this girl's outside of it and she's shooting a gun at the crystal trying to free him because he's now taken the, the body his, he's now in the body of his younger self before he became a demon lord. He used to be a human that was turned into a dark lord. Um, I'm, I know I'm jumping back and forth between dark lord and demon lord, whatever. You know what I'm talking about. But yeah, he, he breaks out of the shell and was going to go kill her, but then suddenly this monster shows up. Um, this world... Essentially, since the moment that he was back here, um, magic has changed. There's no demons or anything. There's a lot of humans, but then there's also these the presence of these things called voids, which are these monsters that pop out of nowhere. And mankind is fighting against the voids and they have to use this power known as the Holy sword power, which is this power that manifests from within people. And it, and it manifests in the form of something that is attributed to your personality or something like that. Like the, one of the girls that's with the girl that finds him, uh, her name is Regina. She's like her maid. She has hers manifest as this gigantic cannon, which is kind of funny because it's a little cute pigtail girl. But yeah, they they basically rescue him from the gym. He decides at that point. Look, I, the, I I reincarnated too early. I don't think I have all my power, uh, but I'll hang out with these people to make sure that I can figure out what's going on in this world before I do anything, before I rebuild my army and rise back up. And so he starts hanging out with her. Eventually, she saves him from an attack, which he's like, you didn't have to do that. I'm like literally a dark lord. So she die. She's dying. She dies. She literally dies. And she kills all the voids. And then he goes, "Well, I have to commend you for saving my life, even though I didn't need you to save my life. So I'm gonna do you a favor, but you might hate me for it." And he restores her back to life. And then they go and they go back to the academy where they have to go back to that they're stationed at, which is this massive Excalibur Academy, which essentially is where we get to reveal that everybody that does manifest their holy sword power will be enlisted to the Excalibur Academy, which then trains them to use those powers to fight the voids. So he's now there joining the school because he has, 
he claims that his power is a holy sword, but it's just his old abilities that's no longer existent in this world. Yeah, they go back to their dorms where he's now a part of their team, and she passes out in the bathroom as she's washing his back. And so he he takes her out of there, or he he lets her feed off of him. She like bites his neck like a vampire. Um, and then he takes her back into his bed or her bed. And then once she finally regains consciousness, he goes, yeah. Um, so back there in the cave, when you got mortally wounded, I don't have the ability to heal you. I didn't save your life. I just turned you into an undead, <laughs> an undead minion. And it worked out great because you manifest as the most powerful undead minion possible. A vampire queen. <laughs> to which she responds, can I still get a holy sword? He's like, I don't know. I just know you're a really powerful vampire queen now. And you're probably going to have to feed off blood from now on. But it makes you really strong. Um, so yeah, now he just goes to school with them. And at the same time, he's investigating the humans and trying to figure out the current state of the world. One thing he finds out is that wherever... In the past, they had massive battles with the Dark Lords and the humans. Those are where most of the the voids are spawning from. So there seems to be a, a correlation with where those battles happened in the past that is spawning voids, maybe power pockets or whatever. But yeah, that's the, that's been the story so far. He's he's sending out his minions. He's got like this maid. Um, what was her name? She's cute, Sherry. Her maid Sherry. She she pops up every now and then and acts jealous because he's with Rosella. Roselia and um, brings him donuts, and then uh, Blockus is the wolf dude. He just kind of pops up and gives him updates as well. They end up having a run in with this really powerful guy, Musile, who had the holy sword power to enslave uh, other people. Which he had this big harem of women around him that had to follow him everywhere, and he would just grope him every now and then. And they beat him, and then his power broke, and then the girls were free, which would seem like a missed opportunity because. However long those girls have been following him around, it's like you would think that they would probably turn on him the moment they snapped out of it, but they're just like, ah, okay, cutscene. <laughs> they meet uh, FNA, who is a girl who she used to have a front frontline power, like an attack power. But like I said earlier, their holy sword is it's based on their personality. And she used to be in a party where she was a frontline attacker, but then her whole party got wiped out and she's the only one that survived. And it seems like that whole trauma affected her Holy Sword power. So now her power manifests as pretty much a power that can analyze or or survey things. So she they're like a bunch of like cameras that go out and they can watch things or they can scan somebody. So it, it does emphasize the idea that Holy Power itself can change based on what you're going through or maybe what you want to manifest. Um, we got a little, little about Sakuya, who is like a swordsman, and she likes to gamble, apparently. So that's a thing, too. But yeah, that's about as far as I've gotten. Um, I, again, this is another one to, go, to throw in the bucket of, I think it has potential, but do I have the time to watch it? <laughs> like, it's not that good. It's got some fun etchy in there, here and there. Um, it's surprisingly rare but it, it has fun every now and then with a little bit of edgy like in the first episode just having ragana you know lifting her skirt up a little bit to pick to, to show her thigh to try to entice leonis the whole shower scene itself 
that's about it. Like it's it's not it's not really going out of its way for the edgy, but it sort of is there every now and then. Um, I do like the world building so far. It is it's a, it's a futuristic world in a post apocalyptic fantasy world. So the fantasy was there: the magics, the demons, the dragons, and the heroes. And then cut forward, and now we have like massive, moving, floating island of technology, and everybody able to manifest these holy power swords and riding around on motorcycles and all this kind of futuristic-looking stuff. And still technically having that twinge there of him sort of introducing magic, but not just magic, but technically a Dark Lord magic, uh, necromancy and stuff like that. I like that mix of technologies, and I think they're doing a good job so far of realizing the world. I love the layout. Even though it's not the most beautiful-looking show, it's got a nice design to it. I like the almost sanitized look of the world they're in, or the, at least the island fortress that they're in, um, getting a little bit into the history and the voids attacks and all that kind of stuff. It's got a good build-up so far. And I, I do find Leonis sort of intriguing the idea that he is a... I don't care about people around me, but I do technically will step in there. Like, he's not completely heartless, but at the same time, his goal isn't to save everybody, but he's just, under circumstances, is helping people. So that, that might actually turn into something interesting. I don't... It, it might sort of play in the idea that he might form bonds to these... This, yes, dorm of girls that, for some reason, he's able to stay with. <laughs> is he going to form bonds with them and eventually want to protect them? When in actuality, his ultimate goal is to actually rebuild his army and kill humans. Um, there is that question. It's The obvious answer there is that, yes, he's not going to turn against his waifus, but maybe he turns them all into undeads. I mean, there's the other option. Maybe over time, Regina dies and turns her into an undead. Refina dies and turns her into an undead. And eventually, he doesn't care about this, this floating island anymore. Um, the other thing they kind of emphasize, or at least teased at the very end of the last episode I watched was this idea of this um, this mage from his past, this sage that he was wanting to fight, uh, possibly being this gem that's powering this floating island. So it still has those sprinkles of what possibly could be the past world's experience still playing into effect the current time, similar to most of the reincarnated exorcists and whatnot, those kind of shows that um, play off of that. So Again, it's been good so far. I like the character designs. I don't think it's the most visually amazing show ever, but it does enough to keep it together. Uh, there is times where I feel like it could do some really cool stuff here and there where it kind of just avoids it. Like I said, with the whole thing with Musile, what do those girls think right now? Like, why do why is the school okay with literally four, I think it was four, um, holy sword power users being enslaved by this one guy? Is it because he's like the son of the Dean or something like that that they'll let him do it? Um, but why are they okay with it? Is it all this aspect of they don't care what they do with the Holy Sword powers as long as they use it for the good of the people? Um, maybe that's the whole deal, but I don't know. Uh, again, it, file it in the category of I think it's doing enough that's intriguing, but I don't know that I will have the time to keep up with it because too many shows. We'll see. I think that's it. I think we got through them all, Chris. Did we? I mean, let me double check. I, I did watch Pluto too. I made a whole video on it. I'm not going to talk about it here, but um, it was really good. The first half was kind of the the first door. The first the 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 north north five whatever his name is. Um, 
that story was really great, but like the first half of the series was a bit slow, but the second half was great. It, like it, it just took off at some point, and I loved it. Are you gonna plan on watching the Pluto one? Probably not. No, I thought you were pretty hype on it. Uh, I didn't watch MF Ghost. I didn't watch Bullbuster. You didn't watch any of those two, right? No. That's it. We did it, Chris. We did it. We did. It did the, you just mic it, drop? I think. I think that I'm not dropping this mic. Okay. I think that was. No, I think the first part we did was pretty short. I don't know that if we broke two. I think we maybe broke two hours the first episode. Um, but then two more, two third, two and a half hour, two. This is two and two hours and forty minutes. So we did good. We did good. So that's it. If we missed a show, please go onto this gourd into the anime cast podcast thread or channel not the submit question one go to the anime cast podcast channel and complain how we missed your show so i'm sure there's a show out there that we missed and it's very important that we should have watched it it's probably mf ghost it was probably the best show ever no probably bolt buster that, that, that's probably the sleeper hit is bolt buster i didn't hear nothing good about it so i wasn't like going out of my way for it so Anyways, uh, no, that was the Hanaka-kun. I watched some of that. I forgot about that one. I did one. watch an episode of that. Yeah, that's, that's a, I'm assuming, it seems like it is just essentially going to be the quintessential quintuplets of of this season. The We skipped a bunch of content, so now let's cover it. Which it seems like it's mostly covering those aberrations, those little bunny dudes. Like, most of them seem like it's about the bunnies. No, it seemed like I was starting in the second episode, it started being about the bunnies. And how they want to take over one of the slots of the seven wonders or whatever of the school. Yeah. And so they're trying to kill Hanako. <laughs> they're trying to kill him. These little bunnies are trying to kill him. So they do like a little tryout things. Um, it was cute. I I've been enjoying it so far, uh, but it being sort of in the realm of that, uh, seemingly side content that it doesn't, the sister was cute. Did you see the sisters episode? Mm-mm. You remember the two, bro- the, the two exorcist brothers? Yeah. Um, one was the prodigy and one was the younger one. Right. Um, they have a little sister. Apparently. And she gets a hold of one of those little apparition bunny thingies and takes it home. And she, this thing's like constantly trying to figure out when it can get an opportunity to get out of there because she's doing all this stuff with it and she, it doesn't want to be there. And eventually she takes it around to show it to her brothers. And so she goes to the younger brother and she's like, oh, look. And then he's like, oh, crap. It's one of those things. Oh, but they said that those things were fine. So he's not going to attack it. And then eventually she goes to meet the, the, she goes to talk to the older brother and he's sleeping at the time. And she goes up there and <laughs> plops it down the bed and, and looks at her brother. And the brother wakes up and stares at the thing. And the thing's like, holy crap, I'm going to die. <laughs> but then it gets away and it runs out of the house, runs out by his own. And eventually it runs into a nasty apparition, like this massive, ugly spire looking thing. And it nearly kills him. But then. Boom, like this massive power crushes. This thing's like the size of like a diesel truck. This thing's huge spider. This massive power just crushes it. I'm going to guess it's the sister. Yep. She comes strolling up by herself. Oh, what happened? Come back home. Yeah, they basically imply the little, this little, and guess what the say you is. Is it Tama? Yep. <laughs> I forgot the most important part. I should have just said, Tama, go watch it. But yeah, Tama's voice. She's just a total goof. There was something there was a there was a quirk that she was doing early on that I found was like super. Oh, that's right. She had to do this big introduction. 
she has this thing sitting down, this little thing, and she's doing this big introduction. I am blah, blah, name, and I am five. <laughs> and then it's like, has this long pause because she's holding up four fingers. And then she looks at the hand and then she goes, brings out the thumb, five. <laughs> it was like, this is so cute. Stop being freaking cute. Uh, and then, yes, technically Tama's voice doing it, it, it makes it like a million times better. But she pulls it off. That was legit, like, the best part of the entire thing so far, besides the bunnies trying to kill Hanako in the bathroom. That was kind of funny. But yeah, I mean, I mean, I've been enjoying that despite it being, it was like only like nine minutes each. I think yeah, there's like not two long. stories each. So they're probably like three and a half minutes each um, with the introduction and everything. So it's, it's a good watch if you like Hanako Kun and I kind of miss that series. I kind of wish they did a second season, but again, yeah, there was, was something, was, there was some was murmur hoping. that they weren't going to do another season yet because they're not content or something like that. Yeah, I was hoping more for a full full show, but yeah, watching when I watched it, I was like, okay, this is going to be short. I I can catch up real quick on this, and I just keep skipping it because I know I can catch up real fast. Yeah, it's gonna be like it's gonna be like on those ones where it's like because they're so simple, like quick little joke gags. It's like it's one of those ones where it's like I I, I maybe just figure out which were the good parts, and then have somebody get, yeah go make sure go watch. like the Tama thing. It's like literally I'm gonna tell most people just go watch the part where it has the Tama girl. She was cute. Make sure to watch that if you like Hanaka-kun. Um, but I'm sure there's plenty of other stuff in there that most people maybe like more than other people. So it's good. You're literally going to watch it if you like Hanaka-kun. Well, I, th- there's there's something uh, oddly that I enjoy about Hanaka-kun in himself. He He's just... He's got that... The, that the perfect seiyu, voice. Dude. The seiyu that pulls seiyu him off. Just and so good. He just, he just has this creepy kind of... I don't know how to put it. He's just got this uh, vibe to him that I, I just, I can't, I can't not watch. I'm double checking the list. Since I missed Hanako-kun, apparently I'm going to make sure I don't miss anything else. I'm surprised that popped in my head. Oh yeah, Dark Gathering still absolutely amazing. The recent episode freaking was insanely creepy. Um, uh, I have not been keeping up with Ronan Kenshin, unfortunately, because that's... Uh, God, I feel so far behind it's, on that. It's just like, I love Rita Takahashi well, being in it, but it's it's, re- it's Ronan Kenshin. I don't really need to watch it right now, because I already watched it before. Well, it's like Hulk. I've, I've, I've fallen behind on Hulk. Yeah, Hulk I'm super behind on. Jujutsu Kaisen I've been keeping up on because it's supposed to be the greatest show ever, so i got to keep up on that. Uh, I did not keep up on Sendo nor I, I gave up on that like three episodes in. I got to the crazy uh, burlesque house, and then that just I just did not watch anymore. Yeah, I watched Pluto. Go watch it; it's amazing. Shingeki no Kyojin, Attack on Titan, uh, Excalibur Academy. That's the circumstances. I have not watched Good Night World yet. I I have it. I have it queued. I will watch it. Just need time. December twenty seventh. We have we have Justin Chun coming back for December twenty seventh. Got to make sure to set the clock for that one. Calendar. This was, this was an OVA for U149. I gotta watch that too. Yeah, that's it. We got it. We did it, Chris. We did it. Punch, 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 punch. Yuki, we did it. Sugoi. Yuki, we did it. She's not getting up until I say O's. Nope. I opened her eyes. That's it. That's again, that's the fall 2023 anime season. First impressions. Um we'll see you in three weeks when it's all concluding. I'm joking, it's like what uh just got two months before it all finishes and wraps up. Uh, but yeah, that's that's that was a lot of shows to go through. We won't be reviewing all of them, like we said before. We'll be we'll be cutting back on shows, so we're not going to cover everything like we typically do. Uh, just not it's not sustainable, and I don't want to hurt myself. 
But uh, that said, next week should should be music of the season. We'll see if I can get time to put that together. I haven't even started it yet. Actually, I got like three shows like put the side marked. But again, going through 70 shows to pick all the music for it is going to be difficult. Um, but hopefully next week. If not, we'll do a discussion and then we'll get the music episode. But yeah, I'll just get to it when I get to it because I don't want to don't want to strain myself. But a lot of fun. Looking forward to the season. There's a lot of really good shows this season, so I am pretty hyped to see where a lot of it goes. It's a, it's a it's a good season. It's 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 a lot of shows, but it's good that it's a lot of good shows. But it's unfortunate because we don't have time for it all. Yeah. But there's like as long as you focus on the bangers, as long as you get those that top ten that I that I listed in my top ten so far, you're good to go. Also, like I said before, I did a, a top tier list of the anime season so far. So if you're looking for my opinion on the best of the best, I put it all out in a nice, easy to read tier list, which would be helpful to a lot of people. So there you go. But again, now we're talking to takuspirit.com. That's where all of our links are. So many links, ways to get a hold of us, our Discord link there, way to get a hold of our community, and ways to support the channel through Patreon, tips link, and all that good stuff. We greatly, greatly appreciate it. But it supports the channel. It means so much. And until the next time, y'all take care. Oh,